0: So you you are the second person that I've talked to who, for legal reasons, is not in the U.S. and I've had to do a Zoom interview with, um, because I typically don't do Zoom interviews. So could you sort of explain your geographical situation that you're in right now? And- Certainly. Uh, how that ties into the FBI and the alleged leaked audio that you posted?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, uh, after I got out of prison in 2016, uh, over my involvement with the, uh, you know, number of leaks and investigations into uh, Palantir, HP, Gary, Booz Allen, Hamilton, Cambridge Analytica, firms that later went on to get caught over and over again, interfering with uh, di- with democratic uh, elections. Uh, about a few months after I got released, I got rearrested by the federal marshals uh, for giving interviews to Vice and to PBS. Uh, there was no paperwork, no warrants, no BOP, doc, Bureau of Prisons documentation, no paperwork whatsoever. I was released five days later after one of my publishers paid a New York law firm $10,000 to basically go to them and threaten them and say, hey, we're going to take it to court right now. And it's not going to look good. So they, they let me out after that. Uh, at that point, I announced uh, several times publicly on Democracy Now and on Russia Today and a few other outlets that uh, as soon as my probation ended and I was allowed to, I would be leaving the U.S. for good. And uh, I, I finally did that uh, at the end of 2020, went to Antigua, uh, from there on came to the U.K., and, uh, and found out uh, last year uh, when I received six hours of uh, secretly recorded audio by a made by Val Broksmith, who is the son of a Deutsche Bank executive who supposedly killed himself back in 2015, one of several Deutsche Bank executives who uh, had that little cluster of suicides all of a sudden at that time. Uh, found out uh, from him or from these recordings he had made uh, of a meeting that he had with the FBI at the LA office in, 20, in uh, the very end of 2020 uh, that I was again uh, a a a target. Uh, as it were, and uh, that was further verified uh, when I was arrested uh, for my involvement in this in this protest against uh, expanded police powers against protesters. Uh, when I was arrested last year uh, on the Canal Belt that I live in with my fiance, arrested, brought to the Metropolitan Police Station, uh, and uh, and overheard uh, one of the Metropolitan officers, one of the arresting officers, telling one of the desk clerks that this is the guy that the FBI uh, that, that they want the guy I told you about earlier. So gleaned from that, uh, that I was, you know, that I was in trouble and that they were going to ship me and that turned out to be the case. They put me in an immigration, uh, removal center, uh, the next day. Uh, there were some falsified documents that the, the, the home, home, home office, uh, put, that claimed that my visa had uh, been up after five months, uh, rather than six months, uh, this is something that's mentioned in one of the articles that came out later. Anyway, uh, that and when I got out that that's when I got the recordings of of, of the uh, the five hours of audio. So between that and a few other things that came up and some other sources I can't talk about, uh, it became pretty abundantly clear that, uh, you know, that the FBI was back on the back on the rampage. And uh, I have no way of knowing, uh, despite it, despite reporters having gone to the FBI and asked, hey, what are you what are, what are you after him for? no way of knowing what charges they would have this time, or even if they, the charges are, are, you know, ready yet. Uh, they would be sealed, presumably. Uh, I also have no way of knowing, uh, to what extent uh, me releasing that six hours of audio that makes some of the uh, FBI agents in question look very, very bad. Uh, whether that might have, uh, caused them to back off, uh, Likewise, I have no way of knowing if the fact that the guy who made those, made those recordings, uh, a former colleague of ours, Val Brooks, but I mentioned, who turned against us uh, to the FBI uh, in order to get some, in order to get help with a child custody case. uh, I have no way of knowing if his uh, unusual death. uh, And and the. I have no way of knowing if, if my book released in January that they are very well familiar with. I don't know if that's going to scare them off further or the fact that there's a screenplay. Uh, but bottom line is I've been in the UK. I've been splitting my time between London, where my girlfriend and I have, have a canal boat that we live in uh, and her mother's house here in Bournemouth. Uh, so bottom line is that the FBI wants another fight and uh, and they've got one
0: so what would happen if you came to the u.s right now would and would anything happen if you landed in the u.s tomorrow would you be in trouble immediately what would happen what do you think would happen
1: it, it it seemed from the from what happened with uh, last year with the whole immigration with the house uh home, home office and some of the also some of the documents we later got uh from the police uh in which they referred to the quote political elements unquote uh, of my case uh when i was at the station uh and a few other things that uh at least as of last year, I would have been uh, I would have been escorted uh, on a plane uh, back to the U.S. from that immigration center uh, to an airport. And I would probably have been arrested right there by FBI agents waiting for me. Uh, but as it happens, I was uh, right before they were able to put me on a plane, uh, we were able to get uh declare asylum. Uh, my girlfriend, Sylvia Mann, who's an activist and has been involved in this stuff before, uh, managed to get ITN, a major London law firm, uh, uh, to get their top asylum lawyer, uh, who also specializes, uh, along with other uh, legal entities they're working with in national security law, journalism law, and so forth, got them involved. So they had to let me out. And uh, and so, so basically, the odds are now less that where I return to the U.S., I'll be arrested, because I feel like they know. They know from experience, uh, from the time they had me had me in prison, facing 105 years, and then tried to get me to cooperate, then threatened to indict my mom, and I said, "Go ahead, indict my mom." And then they tried to get me to, to plead to one of these counts of linking to linking to documents that would have been very dangerous uh, as a precedent for other journalists and researchers. They know how I play this, uh, and they know that you know uh, there's enough. <clears throat> documentation from the past that would make anyone involved, any FBI agent involved, any DOJ official, DOJ official involved, uh, it would make it, there would be an opportunity cost for anyone involved in another illicit prosecution of either me or anyone, anyone around me, uh, mm. not, not the FBI, not the DOJ individual agents, uh, you know, will have, will will think, think hard upon uh, whether or not it's worth it to them to carry out whatever instructions they're getting from higher up. I'll put it that way. So actually, they might still try to arrest me. I've seen them do dumb shit before. I've seen the UK uh, you know, screw up just in the last year and a half. I've seen them stroke some things that uh, they could have easily handled more, more uh, effectively. Uh, but I'm not going back to the US to, to give it a try. I'm just going to see what happens from here. Uh, I do have this asylum case ongoing, and this is the perfect opportunity for me uh, between that and the book release and some other projects, we have some, some things that will be launching in January and coming out. Uh, it's going to be increasingly difficult for any any governments to uh, come after me unless they have a really strong case uh, involving, you know, uh, really clear evidence. And uh, they've never had that before. I don't see them having that in the future.
0: So I think it would be this would be a good time for us to rewind a little bit and just explain for the audience who is not familiar with you and your story, what is your background and how did you get started down this path?
1: So I was a been a journalist and freelancer since I was 17, 18 uh, and uh, started out doing you know a lot of nonsense, copyright. I mean, wrote anything I could to, to make money writing, uh, you know, music reviews, women's shoe store, write-ups for America online back in the day, blah, blah, gradually was able to move on to uh, things I wanted to do, which included uh, humor writing, uh, investigative journalism, started writing for things like The Guardian, uh, Vanity Fair, Huffington Post, Skeptic, Skeptical Inquirer. I had my first book come out when I was 24. Uh, uh, You know, other outlets, got columns, so forth. Uh, But by by about 2008, uh, I had become, 2009 really, I had become very disenchanted with the press. Uh, I had seen it from all angles, and I knew enough from what I'd seen that uh, it was not up to the task of providing informed consent to the public uh, about even about some of the easy issues, much less uh, the more complex issues. It was something that uh, could be easily played upon, Uh, it could be easily uh, conned, and and had been by any political strategist, you know, who spends 20 minutes thinking about how to do so. Uh, So I was very concerned, I had actually had a panic attack in 2007. when they can't be my only panic attack I've ever had and so 2009 me and Michael Hastings uh who's now dead he was a journalist for Rolling Stone and Newsweek uh who he's the one who wrote an article that um that forced the resignation of General McChrystal in Afghanistan uh the day after Hastings article came out about McChrystal and uh the war there uh him and I had some talks about how we could what we could do to develop some kind of mechanism to improve the press and that's what Project PM eventually uh, came out of. Uh, about a year later, um, early 2010, I wrote an article for African Post about Anonymous and about how its uh, its ongoing uh, campaign at that point against the Australian governments, against uh, proposed internet censorship legislation, uh, how it had, uh, by bringing attention to the issue, uh, at the very least, Uh had served as sort of a model, a proof of concept for how emergence, you know, non-institutional, non states uh, groups of of, uh, of committed ideological actors could and would uh, gradually uh, become capable of taking on nation states in more uh, important and more decisive ways. And then a year then a year later, uh, the very end of uh, 2010, I was recruited. Uh, by the people within the non-ops uh, server, an uh, internet, internet relay chat server, from which a lot of the things that people hear about, heard about back then, you know, the, the, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the attacks in defense of uh, WikiLeaks and Assange, the attacks involving the Asian, the Asian governments, uh, all the other stuff that happened in, that, in the next couple of years, most of that was, was centered in that server, which had about 80, 90 people, and about, I would say, a dozen people who were consistently uh, in charge. Uh, one of those became me. So, uh, wasn't brought in uh, because the Tunisian, Tunisian revolution had begun. There were uh, members, people involved in the Tunisian revolution, both in the in the in the country of Tunisia, and Tunisian exiles in Germany and UK uh, who were in this group. Uh, and then there was the rest of us, and uh, and we were able to uh, uh, first of all bring attention to the, uh, in the in the West to the fact that the revolution was occurring because prior to January first, there was. Zero, zero articles, zero knowledge that there was anything going on in Tunisia or that it would matter. Uh, we were able to, with Michael Hastings' help, uh, make sure that the press understood this correctly uh, and did not view it incorrectly as an Islamic fundamentalist Islamic revolution, uh, but that this was an actual secular democratic revolution uh, by which democracy could be achieved. Uh, and, we, and then some of the hackers and some of the other specialists uh, there, we. Uh, were able to provide other means of assistance to the uh, revolutionaries in Tunisia. And uh, within about two weeks, uh, one of the main guys in there, uh, Slim Amanu, uh, he's known as Slim 404 on Twitter. Uh, Generally, he he is a a incredible person. Uh, He was arrested for several days by the Tunisian authorities uh, under the Ben Ali regime. And then a few days later, he was released around the time that Ben Ali fled the country. And then a few weeks later, he joined the provisional government in Tunisia, uh, the democratic government, and then later resigned over protest or something. But short version was that uh, with the the Tunisians and and the other allies brought in from around the world to to um, to counter the uh, Tunisian authorities, to uh, um, engage in cyber attacks against the Tunisian police uh, police apparatus and to uh, find other forms of assistance. That was a proof of concept right there. It showed that, yeah, a lot could be done uh, if we have the right people, just like just like the CIA, just like anything else. Uh, If we have the right people and we're uh, working together properly uh, and we have uh, and if we're willing to do, if we're willing to risk whatever to do it, uh, then we can oftentimes do it. And that's where the Arab Spring came from. Uh, wasn't successful in other countries, of course, but it did lead to, you know, Morocco, for instance, King of Morocco, you know, getting scared and, and providing uh, some new reforms, some new rights to people there. It helped in many in many ways. Anyway, uh, from there on, we've about a month after this, this is February 2011. We discovered um, there's a Financial Times article that came out in which a former uh, Navy intelligence uh, figure and longtime intelligence contractor named Aaron Barr bragged about having infiltrated non op server and identified our leaders and so forth and uh the next day several of the uh, hackers um uh, they they told me they were about to do they're about to go in uh to his company and take over his servers uh steal all their documents uh get his notes on us and everything else and so i got ready for the to deal with the press on that and um from that that that's how we discovered that uh hb gary palinter uh in game systems and barraco these four companies had been uh, set up with, with the help of the Obama DOJ uh, to provide what amounted to a clandestine black ops uh, uh, service to private entities uh, like, the, like for instance, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and Bank of America. Uh, so that's the Team Thiemis scandal. People, people want to look up the Team Themis scandal; they'll be able to get a better sense. This was a thing that was, it was in the news for about a month. Every major outlet covered it. Congress started to investigate. Uh, all this. And then that investigation was shut down oddly enough by a Republican committee chairman, which is amazing, which is interesting because this was a scandal that involved again, the Obama DOJ, uh, you know, it's pretty unusual for a Republican to want to shut down an investigation and something like that. That's a, that was a real scandal. Unlike the fast and furious stuff and a few others, that was a real scandal. The reason they shut it down is because this is a bipartisan issue. Uh, the, the intermixing of the misuse of intelligence, uh, uh agencies uh all these things were bipartisan uh there are very few people in congress or the senate uh, or you know any administration from obama to uh trump to biden who have any real problem with these things occurring uh it's the bipartisan consensus so so you anyway, ta- i went to you, prison
0: so you're talking what you're talking about t- is private intelligence contractors is that-
1: often, often in league, yes, often in league with uh, their counterparts at the NSA, DOJ, FBI, and so forth, as they were in this case, and as they have in other cases. And so, some of the things I went on to investigate involved private intelligence contractors, but but creating uh, but creating products for clients in the Pentagon, in the CIA, or Kingdom of Bahrain, or you know, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, other illicit dictatorships, uh, and everybody just winking at it, uh, everybody letting it happen. More to the point, I'm talking about disinformation uh, methodologies, uh, technologies that were being uh, being developed at that point that later on became very decisive and have still, be- still been decisive in helping to destroy the ability of the public to really understand what's going on at a given point. Uh, I mean, social networking bots, the mass proliferation of AI-supported uh, fake people online uh, by which to, uh, you know, and, and everyone's heard of the, the simple versions of this, the Russian troll bots and all that, you know, that's yeah, that's as well as Saudi off- Arabia. Yeah. And and that's cheap office off the shelf stuff. And, and it, it was actually used a lot more in Latin America before it was used in the U S these, these Twitter bots that just go and, and help to create, you know, the, 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 the illusion of consensus, uh, some of the early research anyway. So without getting into you know the specifics, uh, we, we over the next year and a half, me and my team uh, in coordination with some other journalists, uh, sometimes with me writing in The Guardian, sometimes with me writing just publicly putting stuff out. Uh, we came across a lot of things that we weren't supposed to and that the public was not supposed to know about. And uh, to some extent, the press paid attention to some extent they forgot pretty quickly. Uh, and the FBI was was uh, within a few weeks of our first discoveries uh, of these DOJ associated uh illicit programs to target journalists, to target WikiLeaks, to target labor unions, to target uh, us using criminal things things, 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 methods that would be crimes if we did them. Uh, within a few weeks, uh, the FBI had uh, acquired a uh, secret grand jury uh, investigation against me, secret grand jury uh, warrants to see all my communications, blah, blah, and started deploying uh, some not-so-secret uh, uh, FBI cooperators and assets uh, that Uh, went after me and my family uh loved ones other volunteers uh exposed us in some some cases to to extreme danger from other parties for instance the zetas drug cartel which anonymous was up against in october of 2011 uh yeah i I, I see the expression on your face i get why were
0: they up against the zetas drug cartel
1: in uh, about october or november yeah, october two thousand and eleven uh, a a member of a non Cruz, which was a you know one of, a sort of a cell of of active anonymous movement participants was kidnapped by the zetas uh, there's a, there's a lot we don't know about specifics uh, it may have been a random thing it probably was uh, had nothing to do with him being anonymous uh, He was held for ransom this is one of the things that the zetas do was aside from drug running or used to do or of their uh, capabilities anyway so uh, the Anon Veracruz people uh, began, you know, they, they asked for some assistance on this. Uh, the What they wanted to do was somewhat controversial uh, among some of the American Anons. What they wanted to do was uh, make known to the Zetas that if this guy is not released within a certain number of days, that Anon Veracruz is going to release the names of 75 Zetas-affiliated police officers, cab drivers, and so forth, uh, the kind of people that help the Zetas, you know, cover their tracks, transport stuff, engage in kidnappings, killings. Uh, and, if, and, and you know, had they done that, uh, there were, especially at that time in Mexico, there's a lot of groups uh, that are very well armed and, and trained, not the police, not the military, that uh, make it a point to execute such people um, and, and because this was, you know, this was a war. Uh this, this, this whole pro- operation was very popular in Mexico. It was less popular among some of the, some of the douchey, uh, um, some, you know, little, some of the hacker sorts and some of the, you know, people with no skin in the game, uh, who started objecting to it, who started like attacking Don vera for this because, you know, for, 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 because they thought it was unsafe or whatever. And so I stepped up and, and kind of became the face of that by, because by explaining this to the press and to other non, other non and saying, Hey, it's not your fucking business. How these Mexican Anons uh, handle the kidnapping on one of their own, or handle uh, the Zeta cartel? None of you have and none of you know anything about the cartels. You never lived in Mexico, uh, whereas I, I have, and uh, my family comes from the border and all that. But more to the point, these Mexicans live in Mexico. They deal with these cartels. They're going to do this, and and the the reporters and the anon, you know, participants in the U.S. and Europe and elsewhere, are objecting should reconsider or shut the fuck up. Anyway, so as often happens, the press decided that I was in charge of this entire operation. And there's a bunch of articles, if you look up Barrett Brown, Zetas, uh, uh, from mainstream outlets, The Atlantic, whatever else, you know, you know, uh, proposing that maybe I'm gonna get my head cut off in Dallas, Texas. Uh, anyway, in that period, some of the people that were involved with H.P. Gary, the, you know, in the FBI and, and so forth, uh, did such things as posting my mom's address online on Twitter and tagging the Zetas in them. Yeah this is one of the things that I later, that later drove me to. Uh,
0: where did to they post the this stuff? They, where were Twitter. they, they would, the, these people that were within these, these companies and within the FBI yep. doxed your mom on Twitter.
1: Yep. Including Aaron Barr uh, under the, using the name Narganon. Aaron Barr was the CEO of HB Gary. One of the company, the first company we investigated, uh, uh, Tom Ryan, another guy who was involved another FBI, cooperating uh, cooperator, asset, um, uh, who uh anyway yes several w- of them and yeah posted this and did not of course did not get kicked off twitter uh did not you know there was no repercussions for them uh yeah and, that, and that's kind of how this stuff goes and that's the least of it um you know there's there are you can still find hundreds and hundreds of death threats against me by fbi cooperators that are just sitting on twitter uh that you know have never gotten anyone in trouble this is the same. It's the same thing for other other people who are very active in in, uh, in exposing intelligence operations. Uh, Palantir, Peter Thiel, uh, his, his his network. Um, we all get the same treatment, and some of us fare better than better than others. Some of us end up dead. Uh, you know, some of us live to fight another day.
0: You know. So, once your mom got doxed on Twitter, that's what led to you making that video that you posted i believe on youtube no, 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 okay no uh
1: what that led to me was was uh calling her and uh and uh have, asking her to leave the house um and then calling up uh, and then calling actually the local police and saying hey i normally wouldn't call you guys but some of your buddies in the fucking fbi have just done this so i want you to patrol on that block because if anything happens to my mom um Anyway, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't go on to threaten the FBI until much later. So in March, 2012, I was raided by the FBI at my mom's house. Uh, they had come to my apartment first. I had left the previous day to my, go to my mom's house, knowing they were coming. Uh, I, had, I had a tip. and so they came to my mom's house without a warrant, asked to speak to me. I said, come on the backyard, let's talk. And they asked me if I wanted to get them any laptops. And I said, no, I really don't want to give you any laptops. And, uh, so on and so forth. And they left. A few hours later, they came back with a warrant, searched my mom's house, detained her downstairs. And then a few days later, uh, the the DOJ prosecutor told me through my lawyer that now my mom uh, was going to be prosecuted as well for obstruction of justice. Uh, My mom urged me not to say anything publicly, and I didn't for that time. But uh, over the next few months, I I found more and more uh, elements of how the FBI and certain of their friendly parties in the press, friendly reporters, some of whom work with H.B. Gary, Stratford, uh, the FBI itself, FBI cooperators, uh, the way they had uh, shaped things up uh, in order to try to discredit me discredit our research discredit aaron schwartz 's research uh, discredit the research that dozens of us had done over the last year and 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 so forth and uh, and some of the things the FBI I caught the FBI doing more things and being involved in more things and uh, uh, and I knew if I just could and I, and I tried my best to go to reporters and other comrades and say, Hey, look, this, this stuff's going to happen to me. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to prison, you know, please be in a position to make sure these things about Palantir and Booz Allen Hamilton and the NSA, that they get out no matter what. Um, You know, as I said, that's a green Greenwald the last uh, communication we ever had, uh, you know, at that point until years later Uh, and nothing came out of it. And so finally in September, I made, I made a video saying, look, here's the things we've caught Aaron Barr doing, uh, uh, here's the things we've caught the other uh, FBI uh, assets doing uh, to me, to my mother, to our colleagues. Here's, uh, here's what we've caught them uh, planning to do to the families of labor union leaders that they were going after. Uh, I mean, Aaron Barr was in their proposals that Palantir and these other companies uh, created uh, to show Bank of America and, and Chamber of Commerce. They were going to go after. They were going to investigate the children and families uh, of their targets, labor union leaders, journalists, whoever. Uh, and in fact, started had started doing so uh, in, in, their, in these documents. So what I said was, since apparently that's all legal, I'm going to see if it's legal when I do it. So I'm going to look into the family of this FBI agent who's threatening my mom. And, uh, you know, and we'll find out if there's a double standard here. And of course, there was because I was hit by a SWAT team uh, later that evening. And uh, then uh, brought in uh, charged with uh, with uh, threatening a federal agent. Because uh, I had also said that I, that I, would, I would shoot any other FBI agency who came to my mom's house or, my, or at my house or anyone else I know. Uh, at, the, at the time, I meant it. Um, I mean, as far as I was not, concerned, nothing to lose. I, 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 know, I know what it means to be subject to an investigation by the, an investigation by the FBI and, and uh, DOJ uh, in cooperation with major banks and uh, things like Palantir. Um, and so I was more than happy to go out in a blaze of gunfire if need be. Luckily, uh, uh, I had no weapons in the house at the time. Uh, they were at my dad's house. And, uh, so otherwise it could have been more serious anyway. So they came in, they came and hit me, the SWAT team busted in full full SWAT team brought me in. I was charged with threatening a federal agent. Uh, and then a few months later charged with the, uh, the thing they had come up with to justify the original investigation, which was, uh, copying and pasting a link, uh, that had been posted in the non uh, chat server. Posted by uh, what turned out to be Jeremy Hammond, uh, one of the hackers involved in the Stratford uh, hack. Uh, me copying that link he had posted and may- pasting it into my chat room for Project PM for our researchers. And then asking uh, Jeremy, you know, what's what's in these? And him responding, uh, oh, uh, CNC, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what turned out to be credit cards. He had posted the credit card information for subscribers of Stratford. Uh, I never used credit cards, you know, anyone else in my group, the same link had been posted publicly and that's something that the DOJ knew. Uh, it's why they, anyway. Uh, but I was now facing 22 years on that, uh, mandatory minimum, uh, 11 counts of aggravated identity theft for copying and pasting that link that I, you know, that it was one of hundreds of links I copied and pasted. Um, the first one that involved credit card numbers, uh, I was charged with that, uh, and then uh, they charged me with uh, oh obstruction of justice as well, along with my mom. Uh, and then they made me an offer uh, through my lawyers. They said, uh, you know, if you uh, cooperate, you know, we go to a plea deal. And I told my lawyer, no. Uh, a few months later, they charged my mom uh, with obstruction of justice. Uh, then they made me their next final offer, which was uh, if I pleaded just one of those 11 counts of obstruction of uh, interference, uh, sorry, of, uh, of uh, copying and pasting a link uh, you know, I could get out right then. I've already, at that point, already done two years in jail waiting trial. And I said, no. And the reason I said no is, is because, uh, had I pled a single one of those charges, uh, the precedent established would have allowed the DOJ to prosecute any researcher, journalist, or other regular civilian, uh, that they found to be, to, to be, um, you know, dangerous, uh, simply for copying and pasting, uh, or accessing a file that ended up containing credit card numbers, which you know, when you go through huge amounts of files every day, as we've been doing for a year and a half, sometimes going to happen. Uh,
0: did, later on, did, of
1: course, I learned. Go.
0: No, I was going to say, didn't they originally try to chart, like, put you in for over a hundred years or something?
1: I was based on one hundred and five years total if you stacked up all the uh, the uh, there, was other, there was there was seventeen charges altogether. There was eleven counts of interference of uh, uh, Oh, aggravated identity theft. There was the one count of threatening a federal agent. There was another count of uh, conspiracy to release protected information about a federal agent, and I, and then obstruction of justice, and I think something else. Uh, and of course, they had to drop. They ended up having to drop after two and a half years. Uh, the day after the uh, Electronic Freedom Foundation uh, and our uh, were not just you know dangerous, but also didn't make any sense because the, 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 the aggravated identity theft charge applies applies to uh, stealing. Government issued, I you know, uh, on those rounds, and also they were. I mean, they by this point, the the press, thanks to Kevin Gallagher, uh, the guy who helped to run my legal defense, uh, had helped to uh, turn the tides to get to get the press to to remember what it was that I've been why why they had targeted me to begin with, because a lot of them had been confused by that point. Uh, And so by that time, 2013, 2014, uh, I had become a cause celebrity. I had become a hero again uh, even, even among outlets that had a couple years later, a couple years uh, prior, uh, accused me of, of being a fraud of being a, uh, a charlatan, uh, accused me of making up the, 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 uh, Zetas thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 again, I've, I've seen, and, and, and that's why the press itself, the press dynamics are the thing that, uh, since then have most, uh, are most compelling to me. and, And the thing that, uh, me and others who have watched this happen feel that most needs to be solved. Uh, we can leak. we can risk our lives, even die in the case of Aaron Schwartz, the press, uh, or refrains from actively, uh, uh, discrediting us on behalf of, you know, because they've gotten bad information knowingly or unknowingly from the state, uh, unless, unless they can act like the press is supposed to act, none of it matters. No one's going to know. Uh, you see this over and over again with, with uh, the strap for documents, there's 5 million strap for emails, you know, that went to WikiLeaks and just the first uh, wave of the discoveries uh, of, of, within those emails involved serious uh, malfeasance, like such as like Dow chemical uh, hiring strap to spy on the victims of the Bhopal incident in the eighties, where one of Dow, Dow chemicals uh, uh, plants blew up and killed thousands of people and maimed and, and sickened tens of thousands of others. Uh, Strap for the company I went down over uh, was that I owe eight hundred thousand dollars to in restitution uh, was was spying on uh, that active that group that was trying to uh, you know compel Dell Jones to uh, pay some restitution probably like forty dollars each to uh, remaining Indians that's just one of of many things we came across. Uh, so what I'm saying is that and the press, rather for the, for the most part, uh, particularly certain individuals like Adrian Chin, Joseph Min, uh, Sam Biddle, John Cook, uh, people who would go on to The Intercept and become uh, editors there and writers there, uh, just like I would. Uh, uh, there was a number of people who, 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 because they wrote the first pieces, putting out this information, those articles were then taken as as. Uh, trustworthy by other larger outlets New York Times Atlantic whatever and so what we what we what, what I came to learn and what I'm able to document now is that all it takes is a few uh, let's say uh, on the take corrupt uh, or FBI aligned journalists or intelligence community aligned journalists to uh, create a narrative uh, that will make that it will ensure that the actual meat the content the the, 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 the actual issues, that affect everyone that we were, that we put out, uh, all these, a few of them to ensure that a large portion of the press either ignores it, uh, or discredits it. Uh, and that's what happened over and over again. Uh, and it's happened with other whistleblowers and, uh, it'll keep happening until such time as the people in question, the journalists who do that are given a reason not to do it. And so that's kind of what, uh, a lot of our projects long-term projects I'm back in ten years starting ten years ago uh, the things that will come to fruition in January uh, that will that will be uh, that'll be the start of this that'll be the start of a new era in which uh, reporters are going to want to start getting things right uh, and they're definitely not want to get going to get things they're definitely not want to get get caught uh, let's say colluding with uh, Stratford or Ponce or HB Gary or the FBI uh, it's well, that's a weird
0: be- thing because it's a big thing you see now. I mean, especially in the US, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the UK, the press in the UK, but I mean, obviously, right now, I think a lot of people are pretty aware of the alignment with companies like CNN and MSNBC being aligned with and hiring all kinds of ex Pentagon officials, ex CIA operatives, FBI operatives, and all these people using them. And and reporting on direct reports from the Pentagon without even trying to verify anything, uh, and that's a lot that's, of yeah.
1: That's a that's a big thing all over the world. I mean, all of the U.S. and in the U.K. Um, I mean, it, and it's it's Dallas Morning News does it, uh, New York Times does it, uh, uh, Wall Street Journal does it, um, obviously Fox News does it, uh, MSNBC has open you know has XCI agents you know and all that not not the good kind that actually help and reveal stuff. See, did like John John Carriaco. Uh, Right. but uh the the kind, the kind that are still you know still aligned to that sort of centrist fucking uh you know sort of centrist bipartisan uh you know pro pro status quo uh deal yeah i mean uh NBC, NBC is one of the worst theaters, but yeah every single outlet major outlet is under to some degree or another uh is manipulated sometimes you know knowingly uh by elements of the intelligence community. Uh, or other intelligence, or other intelligence agencies abroad, or companies, you know, people like Peter Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, so forth. Uh, uh, this has been going on. I mean, it, it's it's always been a thing. I mean, you know, you remember the first Godfather movie, you know, where you know the, the mob could buy off the police locally or buy off, buy off reporters, they had friendly reporters. You know, this has always been a thing. Uh, I think it's more of a thing now than it was, say, thirty. I would say twenty five years ago. And worse, uh, we have less journalists who are competent uh, or courageous than we did 25 years ago. We've got a lot of millennial types uh, who went to Columbia University, fucking grew up in, grew up in Connecticut or whatever the fuck. And they go straight to New York Times, you know, and they know shit about shit. And uh, and they think, they know, again, they They consider themselves experts. You've got a lot of people who use the term conspiracy theory without re- thinking about what that means uh, and just announcing prima facie. Uh, certain things as conspiracy theories and where it would, and then, of course, engaging in what they would otherwise term conspiracy theories if those things align with their ideological interests or with what they think is the case. You have a lot of cowards, you know, who who even know, being aware of certain things within would be within Hollywood or press, uh, you know, have been caught, thankfully, uh, suppressing that information. You know, this includes my former editors at Vanity Fair, uh, who killed two of my stories for them. Because the stories were about friends of fucking Reagan Carter, the publisher there, Reagan Carter, same guy who helped protect Epstein for so many years, uh, as one of the really, followers. oh yeah, yeah. Look up yeah, people. People should look up Reagan Carter, Epstein, because uh, one of the former, one of the there's a woman. I can't remember her name now. I think I talked to her once. Uh, she would try to do a piece on Epstein for Vanity Fair, and Reagan Carter uh, made sure that didn't happen. Again, this is all, this is stuff that, that in many cases has been documented, you just, you just get, it gets lost in the fog, lost in the strum. But one, so one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that we, we are trying to do in terms of some of the projects we're putting out, uh, you know, the, 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 the large uh, compilations of uh, raw materials, recordings, emails, uh, screenshots, stolen documents, whatever. Uh, just like with Project PM, which scared the government so much it had to fucking come after it. Let me come after me in ways that embarrassed a lot of DOJ officials uh this project will do the same with the press. Uh and uh yeah and, and and all these things that are already known, already public, you know, made public by others, not me, uh those will help, those will be kind of kind of compiled in there with entries for every single reporter and editor that we have stuff on. And then we have the vast amount of amount of material that I have and that a few of my colleagues have because we've been dealing with the press. We're part of the press. We've been interviewed by the press, been sources for the press, been written about by the press. And when you're doing when you're four years in prison and uh, the press is writing about uh, your case and you, uh, it's very easy to find uh, to to find errors because it's about you. You know, uh, right. you're the expert and you have the documentation. And so that that made it a lot easier for me, uh, my case and, and uh, the coverage of me before and after to find you know, errors and to find uh, uh, sometimes the same reporters providing two different contradictory versions of the same story or to find an outlet like the New York Times you know, uh, claiming in 2011 that maybe I made up a kidnapping in Mexico. And then three years later, in an op-ed in the New York Times, comparing me to Socrates. Uh, or the New York Times, you know, uh, correctly detailing 2011, some of the things we found uh, Palance are doing. And then uh, another New York Times reporter, three years later, uh, writing this real, real, real weird, like demonstrably false pro-Palance article. And then a few months later, uh, getting hired by Google, where he's now paid more it just, it goes on and on. And uh, it's, it's something that, you know, the press, you know, does not regulate itself very well. It doesn't have any, there's no negative feedback. There's no, there's no reason uh, pragmatically for a reporter to be honest, courageous to hold his colleagues to, to account for their, for their uh, mistakes and errors. Uh, and so we're going to create that mechanism uh, and that will be of great help to the press. I'm sure.
0: What is your, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the whole, the whole Epstein thing the whole conspiracy revolving him and the French guy who just apparently killed himself in prison a couple months ago, or maybe it was less than a couple of months ago. I don't know how closely you followed that, but that's something that I noticed, especially during the trial of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is that there was so little coverage of it, whether it be on Twitter or anywhere else. Um, there was just all these smaller, more irrelevant headlines popping up that were sort of bearing the whole Ghislaine thing. Yes. What What is so, your take on that? On that? On that whole situation?
1: <laughs> one of my favorite colleagues uh, that I've dealt with on some things a few years ago, uh, Kevin Hall. He was one of the guys at the Miami Tribune, or sorry, the Miami Herald Tribune, that uh, forced the Epstein thing back into public eye a number of years ago, I think twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. He's one. Of the, he's one of the ones who wrote this big article that forced, essentially forced the DOJ to go back after Epstein, even though they didn't want to. Uh, and uh, so I, I have. I've had an interest in it uh, for, for quite a while, uh, especially because I mean, so uh, I wrote a tweet back in 2017. Uh, you know what? Never mind. I'm, I'm gonna skip. I'm, I'm gonna skip off bragging. I'll, I'll just say I predicted some of this stuff coming about, but uh, basically. <clears throat> The Epstein thing is the exact sort of thing that if you were to say to some reporters, to some average reporters, hey, I think there's a billionaire who uh, he's hanging out with, like, very powerful people like Trump and Clinton uh, and with, like, you know, ma- you know major figures who've done it for years. And he has an island and he, uh, you know, seems to have a, a predilection for young girls and was convicted, in fact, for having sex with an underage girl a number of years ago and hangs out with Prince Andrew and all these things. Uh, and maybe there's something there. Uh, That's the kind of thing, you know, like, oh, that's conspiracy theory because it involves powerful people engaging in pedophilia. Uh, There's other reporters who would be reluctant to to go into it or reluctant to even acknowledge it because they support either Clinton or Trump, uh, both of whom are on that damn plane at different times. Uh, There's other reporters who uh, just wouldn't understand why that's that's an issue. Uh, And there's a lot of reporters who, even if they did understand and say, oh yeah, wow, well, you're right, there's a bill of thing, they would be reluctant to be the ones going out and saying, oh, billionaire pedophile network, you know, involving intelligence community and blackmail, because that sounds silly to the average civilian who's no shit about shit. It sounds silly to other journalists and reporters who who think that uh, anything, you know, who think they just know it all, who have it all, have, have the world figured out. Uh, and so it was tremendous, that it was great this article came out, because it forced the DOJ to do this, this, and this, and then, of course, uh, the same press that had you know, outside the Miami Herald Tribune, outside these few reporters uh, that I, that I deal with and who are actually courageous and competent, uh, yeah, they fucked the whole thing up. They, uh, they, you know, Epstein was convicted. He's put in jail. He's found dead. Uh, immediately, you have the same same outlets that allowed this shit to happen, or in some cases like Vanity Fair, helped to cover up, like uh, Epstein uh, or other outlets that covered up. You know the the. What are the two brothers and fucking in Hollywood that started the Me Too movement? You know, uh, you have the same outlets referring to uh, the the idea that maybe he didn't kill himself as a conspiracy theory, you know. And uh, then of course later you have documents coming out, autopsies and all that. No, it's not a it's not a silly uh, that happens all the time, uh, and it's not a silly theory. Conspiracy theory to to want to to look into. It's it's not. There's nothing. It is in fact a, a journalist's duty if they're interested in this case and they want to write about it. To explore the idea that maybe uh, Epstein was killed, not just because another uh, cellmate wanted him dead, but because a lot of powerful people wanted him dead. Because a lot of powerful people had been on his fucking island and on his plane. Fucking little girls. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably, probably being taped. Probably uh, uh, for a purpose involving, (laughs) let's say, a combination of U.S. and Israeli intelligence in order to uh, blackmail and control those people. Uh, there's there's a number of, of individuals out there who uh, would would uh, would find that to be not worth investigating, uh, even though a lot of portions of it have come out since then. Like there's, there's we have, we have there's tons, tons of, of, of uh, on the record people from intelligence state and all that, uh, there's tons of uh, points to the, uh, the conclusion that among me and my colleagues, when I say my colleagues I'm talking about the people that I work with privately, uh, in, in secure groups and so forth, who are journalists, academics, ex whistleblowers ex-intelligence, blah blah. Uh, we, we can all talk about like these things without having civilians in the way being like, oh, that's you know, I've heard Alex Jones said something about that. I mean, it's wrong, like that kind of shit, you know. So, uh, no, it, it's pretty fucking obvious that Epstein, uh, you know, even, even aside from how, how he got all his money, uh, was involved in a effort to uh, a successful effort you know, for a while, no doubt, uh, <clears throat> to compromise uh, powerful individuals. That's what the Russians have been doing for years, what the U.S. has been doing for years. It's what uh, sometimes I do for years, just not using, not involving pedophilia little girls. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, well, actually, actually, I should take that back, uh, back in 2007, 2008, you know, just like with the, you know, you know, you know the show uh, Perverted Justice or, or, uh, or catch, catch a Predator. Yes, yeah, well, there's a lot of us doing stuff like that back then. Uh, Some of us associated with psychopatia dramatica, where we, you know, and people still do it. They go, they go, they pretend to be, you know, um, young girls and all that. And as a proof of concept, as a test back in 2007, uh, I did this and, uh, and then uh, tricked the, the uh, perp, the, the uh, pedophile, into calling my number, which turned out to be the number of uh, the local Brooklyn, New York uh, police station. And then I told them, "Look, you have just called that number. They've got that on file. I can send this. I can send this to them right now, uh, unless you do what I tell you to do." And what, I'm t- what I told them to do was say, "I like Mudkip's," which was a meme, 4chan meme. Um, so now, had I been more at that point, more interested in uh, in
0: <laughs> wait, 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 our, wait, wait, what what made you want to do that? Again, this was a a test, proof of concept, a proof of concept. Yes. Okay. So you Let's basically, you baited a pedophile in a meeting up with you. He thought you were an underage girl, right? Right. And you ha- you met up with him face to face and you fit. You- no, no, no. no, okay. no I didn't
1: make him face to face. I told him, okay, yeah. Do you want to call me? And the number. That police station knows it got that call from that number at that time. And the conversation is logged showing that time. So I now have this guy's life in my hands because I could sit at the police station and he's going down. So alternatively, if I were say, you know, someone who wanted to build up a, uh, a slave army of pedophiles in order to, uh, achieve certain ends, I could say, now here's what you have to do. You have to do the same thing I just did to you, to three other people. Wow. Uh, and wow. then tell them to tell each one of them to do that three people. <clears throat> and then down the line, when I'm ready for you to do your actual work, I'll provide instructions and overlay them. Uh, and then you know, for instance, if they they're gun bluffing, uh, I wouldn't go into. There there are ways to you know to secure that. So anyway, so this is this is actually in my book. I write about this this whole concept as uh, as a, a meant to illustrate that uh, you know there is more under heaven and earth than is dreamt of in in your philosophy. You know, wow. Uh, there are people that, or you know, Rockefellers or Pentagon or private companies, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, uh, other activists I've known who think differently than the average person uh, and who have different motivations and different agendas. Some of us like me uh, wants to uh, expose powerful people uh, and counter them and and bring them down. Uh, You know, the other side, they want to do something else. They want to rule the world under a global kleptocracy of technocrats, you know, led by Peter Thiel and Elon Musk.
0: What's your uh, take on Elon Musk? What, what do you think his motivations are? What do you think his primary motivations are? Well,
1: he's mentally, he's, a uh, kind of, kind of like the others, kind of like the other PayPal mafia, as they call themselves in private. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a goofy ass, you know, uh, technical guy <clears throat> with autism of some sort. And, uh, with all due respect to, to autistic people, there are forms of it, especially among a tech crowd hackers I've dealt with, for instance, uh, that make them make it very difficult for them to understand, uh, that give them certain blind spots just like i have certain blind spots because of my whatever my mental condition is i have no idea what the fuck's wrong with me but it's on it's on autism but anyway uh elon musk falls into a certain pattern as his motivations uh he wants uh to some extent he wants what a lot of people want he wants to be recognized he wants to be admired uh he wants to have a degree of control uh and I haven't actually concentrated on him much until recently because I've been so focused on his former partner, uh, Peter Thiel. Uh, now I'm interested in him because I, I always forget that I'm they husband.
0: were. I always forget that they were partners.
1: Everyone does. Him and, and Pierre Omidyar. Uh, Pierre Omidyar started The Intercept, which I wrote for from prison. It's where I won my, won my national magazine awards for. Uh, not realizing at that time that Omidyar was someone who a, year, a couple years before started The Intercept. Uh, had been involved in the intelligence community and had expressed publicly his, uh, his belief that whistleblowers should be our traitors. Um, he, managed, you know, he managed to uh, nonetheless start the Intercept with $500 billion. He managed to get Glenn uh, Greenwald involved. Uh, Glenn Greenwald brought in Weave, my old uh, enemy from back in the day, the, the neo-Nazi who, who went on to run Daily Stormer. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, Weave went to work, for, not just for Omidyar, but also for Peter Thiel, at his later at his company Clearview AI, which does massive surveil- facial surveillance, uh, and Weave's lawyer Tor Eklund, uh, who unfortunately I responsible for, bring, for bringing in because I brought in uh, his friend Jay Lederman, another lawyer to help protect PayPal 14. Tor Eklund became chief counsel for uh, Peter Thiel's Clearview AI, the surveillance company, and uh, Tor Eklund, uh, you know, that's, that's another person who uh, who will eventually go down for that. Um, Anyway, Elon Musk, uh, because he's lost $70 billion, uh, in, in capital over the last couple of months by Tesla, Tesla cars, uh, and because, uh, the, his attempt to buy, uh, Twitter uh, provided, created more scrutiny into his background, uh, so forth, his associations, uh, he's now going to be more, uh, attached to P- Peter Thiel and is expressing more of Peter Thiel's views. Uh, he's going to need Peter Thiel more, uh, and so,
0: you, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. Do you think that has anything to do with like the amazing amount of just fiery fury he's getting from the like hardcore left wing on Twitter or
1: even before he got whatever this, I mean, the fury. I mean, everyone gets fucking fucked up with Twitter. You're, if You're a major prominent billionaire. You're going to get fiery fury. I mean, he didn't go to prison. He didn't have his mom fucking like added to the Zetas. Like, I don't know what the fuck, you know. No right. He's he's been he was involved with Peter Thiel years ago, just like Pierre Omidyar was.
0: But don't you Uh, think that what I'm getting at is like, isn't that kind of just like, isn't that natural human instinct when you start to get just because he's trying to go by Twitter and because he is advocating to make it more of a free speech centered platform, and now for some reason free speech is a right wing thing. I always thought it was a left wing thing, but now because he wants to make it, you know, cut down on censorship and cut down on fake accounts and bots for some reason he's getting attacked by the left and he's being worshiped by the right. So do you think yeah, that's, that, that,
1: that's unfortunately that's the world we live in where like everything is, is something else. Like it's like, you know, so Twitter as it stands in the last five, six years has been, I mean, one of my biggest enemies, one of, one of the things I've been most concerned about. So, I mean, in, in, in theory, I'm happy to see some billionaire come in there and take it over and fucking, and, and uh, And get rid of, like, you know, for instance, Twitter had Saudi Arabian intelligence agents fucking working there and using it, you know, to go after dissidents. Twitter, uh, but here's the thing Twitter, uh, I haven't, I have the world record for for bans on Twitter, a permanent band. Really? Uh, Yeah. And there's some articles in the Daily Dot about that. Just look up Barrett Brown Twitter, you'll find some articles. Uh, I was, and every single one of my bands, which started in 2017, uh, no, not everyone, three or four of them involved uh, stuff I put out on Palantir. And other people close to Peter Thiel. Uh, every single one of those bands, and they were reversed. All of them except for the last one were reversed because other press spoke up, other other you know activists spoke up, and Twitter ended up each time saying, "Oh, it was a mistake." Blah blah, you know, horses. Sure. So, uh, so Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and Pierre Omidyar, again, who actually worked for from the, from from prison writing these columns, uh, you know, around the time that uh, the intercepts and its, and its reporters uh, turned essentially turned in rowdy winner. Uh, all three, none of those people are, are really interested in free speech. Uh, I, I, I've seen this because they've gone at who they've gone after. Uh, so, so Elon Musk, when he goes in, he's not, what he's not, he's not going to establish a free speech zone. What he's going to do is um, <clears throat> establish what he claims to be a free speech zone uh and to the extent that, okay, I think that it actually does. If you actually do that, um it's 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 gonna be that Twitter's gonna have all these difficulties, the same difficulties that anyone has when you're curating a big environment and anyone can say anything, you know, uh you're, it's gonna be a difficult job, even for a person who who you know is worthwhile and, and respectable and has a clear head and is transparent. Elon Musk is none of those things. So uh him him uh and Peter Thiel... So Peter Thiel's meanwhile, meanwhile, created Rumbler, you know, and the, the odds, the odds that Peter Thiel and Elon Musk didn't have some conversations in the last six months, year about 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 Elon Musk buying Twitter are about there's zero percent. Uh, so what this means is that the person who uh, who continues to uh, gain control over our data, Peter Thiel at the NHS, UN Refugee Program, uh, predictive policing uh you know, works at the CIA, uh, FBI works, all these things, uh, him and his friend, Elon Musk, uh, cornering the market, helping to corner the market on social media. I mean, look, look, Peter Thiel was at, was at Facebook, you know, until he left a few months ago. He didn't help to grab a great speech, free speech zone there either. And, uh, Elon Musk's fuck wasn't Facebook's Another thing I got banned from about a year and a half ago, after I posted, uh, information about my former prosecutor and her, her involvement in, uh, in racist pornography uh banned for with with no express reason um and that's the least of it facebook also allowed uh a a armed ex-felon in dallas to send about 40 or 50 uh rape and death threats to my girlfriend at the time uh from his account under his own name uh while the police in dallas and the fbi in dallas protected him uh because i had gone after the police in dallas and so forth this is this is if people look up barrett brown bomb threat they can find all, all about that. But anyway, so what I'm saying is not a single one of these people has any record. Uh, that, that, they've all been involved in the intelligence community. Uh, they've all been involved, and, and some of the worst aspects of it. Uh,
0: has Elon been proven to be involved in the intelligence community, other than being affiliated with Peter Thiel? That's something
1: I can't go into uh, publicly, uh, for the, for simply for the reason that, yet, for the, for simply the reason that there's my asylum case and some other things are going on uh, require that, that certain parties not be aware of what we have. Okay. Uh, I'll put it that way, uh, but him being but him being a partner in Peter Deal uh, for me is enough. So I mean, the right. answer to these questions are is it has to be done publicly, yeah, and that everyone else around them should be debriefed by force until we know exactly how much else they've done in the last six, six seven years uh, in terms of trying to uh, destroy. The public's ability to know what's going on. Something that Palantir has been caught doing several times under Deals uh grip. This is something I've said before, I'll keep saying it. And it's not a Republican or Democrat issue.
0: <laughs> you I'm think the opposite, they to the like literally the that seems a little extreme. I'm an extremist. I mean that Texas. But... I'm from Texas. We
1: remember, we, we have excuses every day. We say we say this <laughs> is <this> a <laughs> four federal prison, where we
0: say this you know. Um, yeah, but isn't Elon also doing a lot of good things for the world? I mean, as far as, like, creating sustainable cars and sending, getting people, you know, creating an interplanetary, making us interplanetary, going to Mars, doing all this stuff? Those things will
1: those things will happen with or without Elon Musk being around to do them. I mean, with space program, yeah, I mean- <laughs> Elon Musk, and it's great right that he's making rocket ships and so forth, but if at the same time he's colluding with and supporting and giving aid and comfort to uh, his close partners who meanwhile uh, we've caught over and over again uh, ensuring that this new wonderful space-based civilization of ours is under their control and uh, involves a heavy use of disinformation methodologies uh, of the sort we've caught them engaged in then uh, no those rockets just need to be shut the fuck down you know we can, we, can, we, can, we can have someone else step in and take over Tesla motor I mean other people can make electric, electric cars uh, again I just don't think that number one I don't think Elon Musk is capable of being the the person he wants, he he aspires to be. I mean, and the stockholders seem to agree because he's lost $70 billion in capital at Tesla Motors in the last few months. Uh, I think he's very much like other people I've dealt with much more in person. Uh, He is someone who uh, thinks that because they're very, they're particularly good at some technical thing or business or whatever, that they are also thus uh, natural philosopher kings. I've seen that over and over again. I keep saying it. Um, so, I mean, he could I mean, he could be do all kinds of great car, do great to humanity. He could build he could create the Volkswagen, the people's car like Hitler did or like Stalin. He could help make sure the Russian pe- Kulaks know how to read while also killing him. Uh, he could be like uh, Winston Churchill and help win World, World War II, while, while also insisting that the Britain keeps its, its, its imperial uh, empire. He could be like, uh, you know, he could be like, uh, Jared of Subway who encouraged people to eat, eat well and lose weight. And is also, right. uh, <clears throat> He can do all kinds of things. Again, it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that, uh, uh, he's a target for, for reasons that unlike with P- Peter, Peter Thiel and Omidyar, uh, I mean, again, aside from what I've told you in terms of his association with them, in terms of what, uh, that I can't go into, but but he, he he is he is a part of that network, the PayPal Mafia. Again, the PayPal Mafia is not a term that I made up. It's a term I first heard uh, in a conversation that we've had uh, with one of my one of my fellow people being prosecuted when we was deployed by Pierre Omidyar and Peter Thiel to intimidate them into refraining from criticizing Pierre Omidyar uh, after we've got uh, uh, hired by Omidyar and then by Peter Thiel. Uh, Elon Musk knows all of this stuff. He knows all about it. I mean, his, his, former, his former wife Rhymes, uh, was, uh was dating up until recently my colleague Chelsea Manning. Uh, he knows who I am. He knows what I put out. He knows the book's coming out. Uh, Peter, Peter Thiel you know, is very conversant with this as well. And you know, Peter Thiel's other little guy he funds and Joe Rogan they know who I am. Uh, they've used their, their um, powers to help uh, suppress some of our information. Uh, and some of their other employees, including Weave, uh, helped to drive uh, my my uh, legal defense guy, Kevin Gallagher, uh, to death last year. Uh, and they know that happened too. So sorry, what sorry, sorry. Saying,
0: okay. say that. What, was that. what happened again? Say that last part again. I.
1: So a number of people. So Weave, Weave, who's been a Peter Thiel employee for years and years, Weave. Uh, and a few other people <clears throat> that are working with Weave. Yeah, Weave, the neon, Andrew Arnheimer. Um, okay. Daily Stormer for a while, um, and, and works and works for uh, Clearview AI, uh, and who was in helping, was involved in helping to uh, to persecute me right before my arrest, 2012. Uh, he and some of his associates who are working out working with the U.S. Uh, with U.S. intelligence community uh, and Peter Thiel uh, in this in the Russia-Ukraine war thing, uh, and who are also who. It's complicated. If you look up, look up Aubrey Cottle, he's a known FBI CSIS uh, uh, person uh, who, who has been presented by some of these same journalists that we've found work with the FBI, but presented publicly in articles as the founder of anonymous, uh, even though he's, he's not. And uh, that even the, the sources that used have, have privately admitted, no, he, he's not, he was, a, he was a troll and he works for the FBI and CSIS. And he's, a, he's, and he's almost certainly a pedophile. Uh, that's so. These people uh, were involved uh, in a, shortly before I was arrested on uh, May yeah May seventeenth. Uh, a few days before that, they were involved in uh, in screwing with Kevin Gallagher, uh, the guy who sing, almost single handedly created my legal defense uh, and my public defense out of nothing, uh, and was a part of Project PM, and who uh, has spent much of his last ten years being uh, uh, pursued by the DOJ and FBI, suing the DOJ back for for investigating everyone who donated to my legal defense fund. Uh, these people who are all associated with and protecting Peter Thiel and, and CSIS and CIA and FBI, uh, they were among the last few people to have spoken to Kevin Gallagher publicly in May before he disappeared. Uh, he disappeared the day I was arrested in the UK. Uh, they were bound to be publicly taunting him uh, and then, and but all, some of those people were also found to have been privately approaching people around me, uh, people that work with me in different ways uh, in those, in that same time. Uh, and then Kevin Gallagher, you know, so disappeared for a few weeks. Uh, when I got out, we, I noticed again, he'd been, he was absent. He had left all the groups. Uh, we couldn't find him. We, we couldn't, his family didn't know where he was. So we, uh, back on, in, uh, on June 10th, you know, June 11th, I think. Uh, I sent someone in San Francisco to uh, a colleague of mine to go to his house, where she found him dead. And uh, we'll never know exactly uh, what role, you know. We'll never know what happened, especially because some of those involved uh, aren't cooperating uh, yet. Uh, but what I'm saying is that uh, no Elon, and I'm and I'm being I'm being uh, I'm being charitable by saying you shouldn't just be. The reason I say that is not for revenge It's because at some point our civilization has to take back control uh, of its of its public dialogue uh, and its ability to, to not be surveilled, not be under not be under mass surveillance, not be subjected to state and police controlled masses information uh, protocols. Uh, and if that's to happen, then we have to send a clear message to the same people who try to make try to make an example out of me and who did make an example out of Aaron Schwartz and Michael Hastings who blew up in 2013 and Kevin Gallagher who's now dead and a bunch of other people who are, aren't well-known but who've also uh, not done very well uh, as a function of, of being involved in near me, like my mother, for instance. Uh, we, have to send, we have to make examples out of these people. That's Peter Thiel, Pierre Amadjar, everyone found to be involved. Elon Musk knows, knows all of this stuff. He's had every opportunity in the last ten years to uh, to ref- uh, spend a lot less time on Twitter, fucking like posting you know funny nonsense for the fuck, and uh, a little more time maybe telling his colleagues, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't be trying to create a what 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 Peter Thiel himself describes as a non anti democratic uh, dark enlightenment is the term they use kleptocracy."
0: Uh, dark enlightenment. Uh,
1: is a term yeah a term that Peter Thiel uses. That's that's something people should look up. It's not very well known. That's how that's how Peter Thiel likes it. But he wrote an essay on it, uh, and it's it's the philosophy is followed by a number of these people uh, that I've dealt with over the years and have come up against. Uh, it's it's uh, and it's not it's it's not the kind of thing that my grandfathers fought to achieve in World War Two. Uh, it's not the kind of thing that my, you know, half brother tried to achieve in, in the first Iraq war, not the kind of thing my uncle thought to achieve in Vietnam. And it's certainly not the kind of fucking thing that uh, that the U.S. or any other nation that wants to be democratic uh, can tolerate. Uh, it, sh- it should be dealt with just like we dealt with Nazism. Uh, again, we have a bunch of German born people like Peter Thiel running around uh, denouncing democracy, which is fine. I mean, democracy is has, has flaws and all that. But the alternative is not; it will should not be, and it will not be, a oligarchy run by a bunch of autistic, fucking nut jobs uh, who aren't who consider themselves to be above and beyond the rest of us. But who, nonetheless, me and my colleagues keep catching it, uh, keep keep beating, nonetheless. Don't you think the resources?
0: Don't you think Elon Musk would do a way better job running the country than some of these other idiots that are running the country currently? I mean, it seems like they all have the same personal motivations. They're all in it for money, for their own careers, not for the right reasons. They're not in it for the people. I mean, Elon Musk, sure, you could say he's a piece of shit and, and he's got his, it's all for his own personal gain. But wouldn't you say he's the lesser of the two evils?
1: Oh, I think there's many more than two evils. I'm not sure. If, if you mean, but the, 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 the types like because typical president.
0: politicians, like typical politicians that are running right uh, the country. Oh, today. yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, a lot of people said the same thing about Trump, you know, they said that he was going to be an outsider, he was going to change things and all that. And, uh, mm. you know, right. and I guess in some respects he did, but I do not feel that Trump, uh, I mean, number one, Trump was someone who lied constantly. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm pro Julian Assange and whistleblowers, WikiLeaks. Right. Assange fell for that shit. I didn't. And Assange and Assange is now in a Belmarsh fucking prison, having lost a lot of his support from those of us who insist on honesty because Assange tried to make a deal with the Trump. Trump kids and was caught doing so trying to make a deal with Roger Stone was caught doing so before that he tried to make a deal with the, the Obama DOJ and was caught doing so so Assange he's one of these type of people talking about people who just you know they just think they just they think that they're better navigators of the of the geopolitical and espionage sector than they are uh they surround themselves with yes men and all that and they end up fucked up in the end like Assange is right now uh and, and betray their own principles in the process as to Elon Musk, would he make a better president than Biden? I mean, Biden's senile. So I certainly fucking hope so. Right. Um, you know, having said that, I mean, there's just, I mean, I, I really, I really don't know, actually. I don't know. Uh, Where do you
0: think Assange fucked up? What, what is your issue? What, what do you think that he overlooked and hit looked, overlooked in his whole situation or how he ended up, what would you have done differently if you were in his shoes?
1: Well, the, 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 the my issues with Assange are the same issues that a lot of people who were with him from the beginning, or very close to him towards the end. Uh, the, the same reasons they left, and in some cases are in hiding and won't talk about him. Like Sarah Harrison, his former girlfriend, and second in command, uh, who, who uh, yeah, who uh, Brigitte Jan's daughter, who was who was even in that more of that movie, but the movie they made about him and all that. Former Icelandic, Icelandic pirate party member of parliament. Uh, she left early on. Uh, you know, there's others like myself and Naomi Colvin, who are still involved in his defense, uh, working with his lawyers. Um, it's the DOJ. But uh, all of us, I think, pretty much agree on what he did wrong. He he lied to the public. He lied to his own supporters. Uh, he sacrificed people like myself and Jeremy Hammond, uh, which I would have been fine if he had achieved something by it. But he didn't. Uh, he uh, he yeah, he, he started with the mission of, of transparency. And that's what we do. With transparency. He ended up uh, having his own girlfriend go out and lie on his behalf. Jen Robinson, I mean, not Jim Robinson, uh, Sarah Harrison, she, she didn't know she was lying, claiming that he had no, no, uh, no dog in the race in the U.S. presidential election and was definitely not supporting either side. It was not involved with either side, not working for either side, which turned out to be absolutely false. Um, and I know a lot of people who, uh, like myself, have been Assange supporters. Again, remember, I'm someone who was a Assange supporter to an extent that I was happy to go to prison on his behalf and kept running in his defense in prison. Till I got out and started finding out some things and and, and found out that, uh, he was, uh, uh, one of his tricks of the trade is to say, Oh, he, who songs wants to talk to you about this. And then he doesn't, then he, then he doesn't show up, you know, and then he, he, you know, sends Kim.com to come fucking talk to me since, you know, what people like, yeah. 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 Try to have Kim.com like play me. And, uh, it didn't work because Kim.com is another one of the same guys. He just think he thinks he's, uh, he thinks he he thinks he can pull one over on on, on people. Uh, he, he thinks he can pull one over on me.
0: What was he uh, trying to do to pull one over on you by hooking well, he, it up with, with Kim Dotcom? Well, he
1: first first he admitted that uh, that Assange, of course, was was uh, working on Trump's behalf
0: on and Trump's then, behalf.
1: Uh, which which I didn't need him to tell me that. We already had documents knowing that some of which are public, some of which are not, some of which WikiLeaks uh, or Assange himself has. Uh, Presented little portions of, out of, you know, pretend that's all it is, you know, with Roger Stone conversations, and left out the other large portions that make it clear. It's just, again, he fucked up. He decided, he decided to play geopolitics. He decided to play CIA. He decided to lie to the public uh, instead of doing what our mission was, which was to make the public uh, give them access to the truth. Uh, and that's, that's why he lost a lot of support. And it's why uh, the DOJ's job became a lot easier. Uh, it's why the people who, who like myself, uh, you know, who, who essentially were happy to go to a hundred years, you know, over this stuff. I mean, for you know, Stratford, HB Gary, all the stuff I was investigated for and listed on my search warrant. These are all things that went, went to WikiLeaks. Uh, so, so is this in
0: regards this- to, so, pardon my ignorance, but is this in regards to the, uh, uh the NGO set up? That hillary clinton was a part of that was tied to the ukraine where the dnc was working with the ukraine to undermine trump
1: no this isn't this isn't really come into, the, into the, in that situation but that, that's something okay. i'm familiar with and that's uh, the people i work with have, have been investigating for years people who, who know more about the ukraine and the 2016 election than i do because of course i was in prison for it but uh right no this is this is this is the mostly unrelated issues are on the the other side of those same issues i guess i mean the same kind of chicanery the clintons were involved in uh with you know with elements of ukraine and other other elements uh the trump people were involved in with Assange, you know okay and so that's and that's a sad thing because we didn't set out you know wanting Assange to be the equivalent of some corrupt dnc fucking actor or, or the chinese giving money to clintons you know uh illegally uh or whatever or the steel dossier people you know uh, Fusion GPS that's not what we envisioned we envisioned something that would stand above that that would be principled that we could defend honestly and easily right and be proud of and that's not what happened and it's again and it it's because Assange uh, he he, did, he got some bad advice uh, he had a lot of good advice but he didn't take it and uh, those who gave him the good advice were gradually alienated and uh you know again he he overestimated uh his ability to to uh he started out as someone leaking information about powerful people and ended up being someone uh who helped to conceal uh against powerful people uh, in a way they got leaked
0: right
1: uh it's it's a, it's the same story as the, for the last 500 years every political movement you know uh you know it the, seems the yeah, communist you know the communists like start out we're gonna do this this and this oh well because we're the communists we're allowed to do this and the cia is gonna fight the communists and they start out you know doing this properly then it's like oh because we're the cia we can overthrow election democratic elections lie about it uh when we actually screw up and actually help communism we're gonna cover it up it's the same story democratic party Republican Party uh WikiLeaks you know um you know much else it's it's the same t- human tendency uh in which, you know, we have we have blind blind spots, blinders, uh, and we're, we're easy we're, we're able to excuse our own uh, and, and uh, justify our own misconduct because the enemy is or is supposedly worse, and we get to a point where that same the misconduct you engage in that that gets found out, and then suddenly, even on a pragmatic level, it was no longer helpful, was it? Like the little breaking the rules here and there, when that is discovered, now you look bad and you deserve to, and you've Mm -hmm. lost your moral stature. You've lost your your credibility. It's all it takes. Um, And and again, it's an old, it happens constantly. It's it's a cycle that happens throughout movements. You know, things things start out, you know, being effective. They go corrupt. You know, there's certain kinds of people who are climbers who will join groups and and they're careerists, timekeepers, bureaucrats, whatever. And there are certain kind of people, you know, who who cannot hold power uh, wisely. They can't hold on to it, and they can't uh, they can't keep their own bad instincts in check. And they don't uh, so, that's something that I do intentionally. They don't surround themselves with people who are willing to say, "Hey, you're fucking wrong on this. Fuck you," mm-hmm. which is what I mm-hmm. is what I do to ensure. And, and that's why I, I uh, I've never lost a strong supporter in my life. I've, In fact, I've gained a lot of Assange's, uh, including some of the people who, who resigned from, from uh, his some of his groups to join me a few years ago. Uh, it's because regardless of what my faults are, uh, unlike Assange or Andy Ngo or whatever else, I'm not going to hide uh, and fail to explain anything, anything at all. I will explain openly and candidly and fully like any action I engage in, uh, because my policy is not to do not to engage in actions, that I'm not willing to explain.
0: what do you, what do you know about um, when I had karyaku on here a couple weeks ago, uh, he, he kind of like shocked me at the end of our, our talk where he told me that he he does a radio show, a daily radio show on the Russian Sputnik radio. And he said that they don't censor him at all, not one bit. and he said he's often critical of Putin. And that whole regime and he never has to deal with any kind of censorship, you know, nothing close to what he deals with in America with, you know, he said he's been banned on Apple podcasts on Spotify and and lots of other media platforms. What is your what is your take on on all of that? And what is your take on like Russian propaganda versus what's what's going on within the media within the US?
1: Right. Uh, So Russia today and Sputnik are are pretty very different creatures, Uh, and I've dealt with Sputnik. I've been I was interviewed by Sputnik a couple times, uh, and I stopped going on Sputnik. uh, I I think after the first interview I did in 2017, because they misrepresented uh, what I said, like they in a bizarre way, like I had said. There's uh, basically it's like the this person did nothing. I, I said something about this, whatever, whatever person did nothing wrong in that regard, their real problem was worse. If they did this and they changed it to this person did nothing wrong, like in the headline and all that shit. And I'm not going to fucking go in for that shit. Uh, Rush Sputnik is also, I mean, quite well known as a, it's, it is, it is a very blatant Russian signals intelligence uh, operation. It's been that way for years. Uh, so uh, there are a couple of my, at least one of my colleagues who used to work with Sputnik early on before uh, determining more about it. Uh, Having said that, as of Russia today, uh, Sputnik, uh, oftentimes, you know, in a in a weird way, uh, these outlets are going to be more, yeah, more willing to take on and provide a, a, a real free forum to U.S. dissidents because right. even even I mean, even if they're criticizing Putin here uh they're still it's still a slap in the face of the u.s it's still showing that yeah look these guys couldn't even get a gig on cnn they couldn't get you know they're not gonna get a column job at fucking the atlantic uh i mean they, there's some outlets in the u.s that you know where they where they could and can but like you know uh and that's one of the reasons i went on russia today's like about 20 30 times between 2010 and uh and a few months ago my last appearance there which uh ended up being uh not an actual interview. It was an inter- it was a <laughs> not a media interview, but in fact turned out to be a uh, a free uh, briefing uh, to the Russian intelligence services about uh, certain known CIA assets. This was done this, three days before the Ukraine invasion. Uh, they never broadcasted or mentioned it, and the interview was with the Russian national, and I recorded it on my end, and we'll make that public at some point. The transcript's already public, anyway. So I won't deal with them again because I don't. I don't like to be put in that position. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is we're at the center of, but between me and the people I work with we're at the center of a lot of things and we're very closely watched because we know you know we know quite a bit and uh, we are of of we are active threats to a lot of a lot of entities and again that's why I was facing 105 years in prison it wasn't because of my good looks it wasn't because fucking they just felt 105 was a fun number um, it's because Do you just you know, like
0: like you have must have you must be so fucking paranoid I mean you have so you're in the middle of all of these crazy just like national powers like you must be in the middle of so many different crosshairs does that not freak you the fuck out or do you just do you thrive off of that
1: uh so traditionally i've been less much less paranoid than i should have been uh which is why i keep you know, especially in the last year or two i've kept getting surprised about people i've dealt with that turn out to be something else entirely and so i've made a resolution to. Uh, be more careful and, and to punish those people very publicly uh, and, and to U.S. and Russia, you know, by making that interview open, uh, by by posting the interview they did, that you know, with Russian intelligence, it punished the Russian intelligence by showing, you know, by by putting this out, you know, showing the Russian intelligence again, it was using Russia today as a means of uh, espionage, and it punished the U.S. because that whole interview is when I go into a lot of their CIA assets that are being used openly within the anonymous movements in DDoS. Uh, which are now absolute extensions of the U.S. intelligence government. And uh, so, I mean, so, no, nah, it's, it's, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. So, you know, and I once faced 105 years in prison and, and the odds were pretty high that I was going to die in prison. So after that, you know, uh, to an extent, you're kind of, you're kind of deadened to, you know, like, what, what are they going to do? I mean, are they going to shoot me in the head? Oh, no, I'll be dead.
0: This is kind <laughs> of just like you, you said you used to be addicted to heroin, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still on, but I'm still on Suboxone mate. And you know, had take Suboxone, which is a synthetic opiate, you know, I'm taking that for 10 years.
0: And you still take oh, that currently.
1: Yeah. And I take whatever else flows around, you know,
0: Do you so think that, the, do you think that has anything to do with your kind of like what you're doing with, the, with your life right now, as far as like, like, I think if I, I get the sense that you get energy from, from all of this and from putting oh, all to this stuff.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it was to, to agree. You, I mean, but you remember my, 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 uh, the, the, the things that, uh, get me in trouble uh, uh i've been doing that since i was five years old six years old uh there's just something there's some trait i have that prompts me to be really offended by so i see as certain kinds of injustice or dishonesty and you know I, I i wasn't on drugs when i got suspended from school like six or seven times during a you know, particular year fuck my teachers and i wasn't on drugs you know but, but uh yeah the drugs certainly contribute sometimes to certain kinds of behavior but they also in some ways maybe help me uh help me to refrain from doing things that I shouldn't, uh, you know, more, more, you know, um, let's say more direct things.
0: Uh, are you afraid of death?
1: No, no. Uh, ever... What I'm afraid of is that, is that all these sacrifices and all this work, uh, is going to, is, is going to come to nothing. And that, uh, regardless of what happens to us, you know, the ones, the ones we're still alive, uh, the point will still get lost and, uh, yeah. And, and the things that we've been, that we've been predicting and keep happening, you know, regarding Cambridge, members at Cambridge Analytica, Palantir, election interference, mass disinformation, the inability for, for, for the average person to know where, where can I find credible information? Uh, all of those things have accelerated in the last 10 years that we've been worried about predicted, <clears throat> tried to counter that those things will continue because we will have failed. Uh, but you know, luckily I'm a human being, and so I'm also able to cut that off. I Man, you know, everyone's going to die. You know, that's going to happen. Luckily, luckily we're able to cut off from feeling emotions about that. You know, it, it's, it's more arbitrary the way we feel. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, sometimes I do get very upset and and uh, hopeless. I feel hopeless about the cause. Uh, and in fact, I I attempted to kill myself a month and a half ago for the first time in my life and made that known afterwards. Um, probably because I've come across some things involving people close to us and uh, was um, uh, not very hopeful about other people uh, taking them seriously. Uh, luckily, my girlfriend woke up and, and intervened before that was completed. And uh, but. That was then. Again, we've solved some of these problems since then. So, I've been pretty happy since. Um, you know, it's just it's just my my dad was only happy when he had lots of money, which was uh, for about seven years till he got hit by, hit by the FBI for engaging all this real estate fraud and so forth. Um, Your dad was in real estate a, fraud. Well, his case was dismissed, but he lost all his money, and his part of partners went to jail. He, he was a guy who made, he made all his money, you know, no risk, no reward kind of way. Uh, I'm only happy when I believe. Uh, when, when I, when I have reason to believe that uh, I'm going to be victorious over these much more powerful entities. Uh, and I'm going to be able to uh, convince people who don't quite see it that way yet, that actually they're on my side, not on this, these other sides. And that ultimately this, uh, whatever shape it takes, uh, will, will uh, starting next year in January, uh, result in an increased uh, the war that's being fought, uh, we'll actually start fighting it. You know, the war that, that's, that's involved, you know, 40 FBI raids in January 2011 against households in the U.S. for supposedly being involved in, in uh, DDS and PayPal, you know, Elon Musk and, and fucking uh, Peter Thiel's and Obadiar's thing. Uh, you know, all the fucking, all the heavily armed raids against people in the UK, Spain, France, being involved in Anonymous, uh, the, the people who disappeared, people who have died, after, you know, took their own lives or whatever, uh, you know, all the, the the stuff that's been done to our families, the prosecutions, the the unofficial prosecutions that, uh, that we're going to be able to, that people will see that there is a duty necessity and, uh, uh, you know, so... It's my hope, my vision, and it's what keep, keeps me going, to know that someday in the near future, I can get a lot of people to stop being pussies and start acting like real citizens uh, vis-a-vis the information that we have documented that needs to be acted upon. And that, that entails a lot of things. It involves, will involve a couple of years of information warfare, um, making sure everyone's on the same page. And, uh, you know, it will also entail a lot of these powerful oligarchs and so forth, losing more money, losing more influence. Uh, there are individuals who work for them, uh, going into hiding, uh, or in some cases making deals with, with me, uh, to, uh, be debriefed as some people, that's sometimes they do, uh, others who were not aware of what they were doing, you know, voluntarily coming and, and, and briefed, which happens. Uh, and then we'll get to a point, you know, over the next 10 years, as things get more chaotic, uh at which it will no longer be shocking to hear me say that, yes, these people who are, uh, absolute vast criminals.
0: Uh, what do you think Peter Thiel's primary motivations are? And what do you think the future the, the near future holds for as far as his ambitions and what he wants to achieve? And can you go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you, so, by the so, way, did you
0: just roll a joint?
1: No, there's a cigarette. My, oh, I spoke weed out of a, uh, vaporizer thing now
0: oh oh a okay
1: a cigarette made up of I, a I was to gonna go say that's
0: fucking me. amazing i mean you'd be the first person to ever roll a joint on uh on my oh, podcast
1: I've, <clears> oh i've done i've done drugs on major national outlets oh hell know. yeah uh, the thing is i'm gonna smoke a cigarette outside the window which is actually a bigger deal here smoke a smoke of weed in the house is no no big deal but the cigarette the tobacco stuff anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah all right come on, come on, come on, come on.
0: Oh, is that your cat? Right. Oh, that's cute. It's a cat. <laughs> anyway, oh, it's just a uh, random cat.
1: No, no, no. It's 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 yeah, it's Sylvia's from my girlfriends. Um so to some, to some degree, anyone who wants to know what Peter Thiel, how how he what he believes in, and uh what he plans, they can find out from Thiel himself. Just read his article on the Dark Enlightenment. Uh uh from I I would only add uh, in terms of his motivations. I think his motivations are very similar to a number of historical figures, uh, from going way back and, you know, right up until our times. Uh, he,
0: he, he wants hey fucking cat.
1: <laughs> it's really obnoxious. It's always, it's always after food and shit and it goes around anyway, and it's been fed and just around extorting people. Own. Uh, what?
0: Anyway, so for people no, who he, don't know, he,
1: so I, I think, I think he honestly, honestly believes that, uh, that the course that he wants that he's in a position to uh, establish for humanity uh, is the best way forward. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's true of people throughout, you know, that's true. It's true of Stalin. It was true of Lenin. It was true of Hitler. It was true of Churchill. It's true of Roosevelt. It was true of George Washington, true of Napoleon, true of Julius Caesar and some of those people I have more sympathy with than others. Uh, I just don't think that Peter Thiel, uh, is up there with Napoleon or Julius Caesar or, uh, or Robespierre or, or Thomas Jefferson, or, uh, even, uh, yeah, I I just don't, uh, based on my experiences with him. And based on the fact, again, that despite all of his power and money, uh, I've been able to give him the runaround several times, uh, in coordination with my people. If the idea is that, you know, you know, might is right or that the power you know will to power and all these things well it's not quite working out for him uh because i mean it's been 10 years and the real response from me aside from all the things that have appeared in the paper about him because of me and all the congressional th- the investigations that have occurred and make shut short because of me and the other stuff that, that's that's going to that's occurred because of me uh the real response uh by a number of us and some other organizations uh, and and uh, individuals, journalists, uh, you know, different kinds of people, that hasn't even come yet. Uh, but we've we've played a pretty significant part, both publicly and covertly, in uh, disrupting his uh, enterprises and those of others, other individuals like him, uh, oftentimes from prison. So. I don't think he's. I don't think he's up to the task. I don't think he's up to the task of uh, leading the world. Uh, and I think that's going to be made more 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 clear in January
0: uh, when the hammers start to drop. You're releasing. You're releasing your book, right?
1: Yeah, my memoirs, which have been you know for a product of ten years of research, you know not just by me but by Aaron Schwartz, Michael Hastings, all tons of volunteers, and so forth, will be coming out. It'll be going to every single major outlet in the, in the Western world, uh, as well as a lot of NGOs. All that's going to be championed by people like comedian Frankie Boyle, Alex Winter, you know, uh, on up to fucking, you know, to anarchist radicals here and there, libertarian groups here and there. What's going to be the name? What is the name of it going to be? It's called My Glorious
0: Defeats. My Glorious Defeats.
1: Mm. <clears throat> uh, that's going to happen. And by that time, the screenplay version that I'm doing with Alex Winter will be uh, floating around Hollywood. Uh, Even the fact of, of even just producers reading it, you know, we have studios that want it, but the point of the fact of it's circulating around will itself uh, help to bring attention to what we have on him and others around him. Some of the journalists that he's had working for him and so forth, Uh, it will be produced. It will be made made into a feature film Uh, that I can pretty much guarantee that at this point based on uh, what I know. at the same time, some major projects that are we're doing in coordination with several different, very, very different groups uh, will launch, uh, and a lot of the you know the things that don't involve Peter Thiel, uh, you know, will will be coming out. And a lot of individual journalists, reporters, editors, and so forth were still working. A lot of uh, federal officials, ex- FBI, federal judges, DOJ officials. Uh, what MLB. about george soros george soros is already a subject of attention for like the last 20 years like that's someone like that's not someone whose name people don't know so like you know i don't and i don't research him because george soros wasn't wasn't the one spying on us when we were going after tunisia you know.
0: an interesting thing that's about george soros to me is that he is like he's labeled as this guy he's just like any conspiracy theorist automatically wants to talk about George Soros. And you talk about George. Sor- if somebody mentions George Soros, at least in my experience, it's like you automatically like, Oh my God, this is a fucking crazy person. This is a crazy conspiracy. Yeah. That,
1: that's a phenomenon that applies to a lot of, to a lot of things that are, you know, yeah. yeah. It's, unfortunately, it's one of those things is because one hears this guy saying, George Soros is going to use right. the UN to kill all the whites in five years. Like, you know, then right. the next person you say, Hey, George Soros, like, Oh, you're one of those guys. It's the same thing I brought into. Well, like uh, with uh, different issues, you know, because Alex Jones has said something once, or because whatever the fuck, uh, for some for some people they think that they think that that somehow has, you know, I've, well my friend growing up he had an older brother who's a little douchebag hipster, he was into punk rock and all that stuff, and and into like irony for irony's sake in a really irritating way, and him and his old girlfriend sometimes they would drive us to the movie theater and he would listen to the Beach Boys, and my friend, you know, who like me despises his brother for all this douchebag hipster stuff you know, started, started hating the beach boys. And I told, I said, Caleb, it was Caleb Pritchard. He's now a journalist uh, in, in Austin. Um, I said, look, your brother doesn't have the power to make the beach boys anything better or worse than they are. Okay. You know, leave the beach boys alone. Just because your brother's a douchebag has no effect on the, on, on and I also but I understand there's a principle whereby like a lot of people who like certain bands, let's say Nickelback, or whatever might be douchebags, And that might, you might be able to develop a framework whereby it's more likely that person may do it. I get that. But uh, unfortunately in this society, everything, every statements, every, every fact, every assertion, uh, especially as of the 2016 election, which luckily I was not in, not, I was in prison for safely away from that whole fucking thing. <laughs> uh, especially since then, you know, everything's a fucking, everything is, is seen in context of how it might be used by the opposition. And so I come out of prison and I'm saying, yeah, like Russian intelligence, of course, they were involved in this shit. That's what they do. They're very good at it. But also there were other things involved in this election. I have no you with the Russian intelligence, like Cambridge Analytica. By the time I already said Russian intelligence, uh, now I've got now I've got people who are, you know, who uh, are, you know, Invested in the idea that Russia had nothing to do with the election, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're pro CIA." It's like, "Yeah, I just got a fucking prison. I, you know, I'm pro CIA. Good job." Yeah. You know, uh, and if I say, "Yeah, Hillary Clinton uh, was involved, involved, in structure of justice shit," where she, where she destroyed her own, her own stuff. Uh, my mom was charged with justice of uh, justice for much less, and so yeah, of course she got a fucking passion in the FBI from elements of the FBI, and of course that's gonna piss out. And then it's like, "Oh, look, you like Trump?" You know, it's like, "No, I, I, you know, well, at that point he's president, so I couldn't say." what i want to say but uh you know it, it just everything is if everything is is about something else and this amber amber heard the Johnny Depp trial which me and, and uh, my girlfriend friend and a few other friends like watch very closely because it has some there's some issues there it's actually very interesting there's some issues there that are very relevant to me uh in particular um right and uh, actually so we actually watched the trial we, like we know what happened in the trial we know what was presented we know you know blah blah and uh you know, and then after when the verdict comes, you know now there's people now now there's all these tons of people who who believe that they're feminists and believe that they're advocates for uh, survivors of domestic abuse who are saying this is a greatest setback for domestic abuse survivors in, in history. Well, fucking Johnny Depp's finger was cut off by Amber Heard, uh, uh, according to everyone except for her uh johnny depp you know she heard her is on tape like saying you know then it's like punch you. i punched you gotta yeah, punch i just hit you you baby yeah. blah blah and like you again, fucking pussy over be and a over man. again yeah and yeah exactly it just it just the evidence was was clear i mean if we if we believe women then we can believe amber Heard when she said she punched the fuck out of johnny depp over and over again and there's right. no evidence to the contrary so you know it is one of those things where I'd, i already know when i if i go public if i go and say hey you know and this was actually a victory for domestic abuse, people, you know, violence or anyone who's had to deal with a borderline personality disorder person. And it's also useful because here's someone on the stand who clearly has these disorders that uh, sometimes help people become become powerful because they, 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 they lack all ethics. They can lie. They're willing to lie in ways that other, other people, you know, would not believe that one would lie about. You know, it's hard to believe mm. a certain kind of monstrosity. These are people who are in high places and very rarely do they have to get, do they end up getting cross-examined in public where where everyone can see where they're forced to, you know, to address their lies. And everyone can see what kind of person exists out there. Right. Amber Heard doesn't matter, but there are other people who matter a lot who probably had those same conditions, you know, anyway, so it's an important trial for that case, but for, for those reasons, but of course, uh, a lot of people who have seen none of it, who admitted to seeing none of it, you know, uh, have, have decided that they know all about it, and this is just a, it's a metaphor for journalism and for information. It's and a for weird thing
0: people. in the media too, man. It's a really weird thing in the media because you can al- you can almost it, it's a thing that I, f- I feel like I'm optimistic about. A lot of people are becoming more aware to aware of, especially when it comes to like the big corporate media websites in particular. Like for example, <clears throat> like when I noted when this uh, when the verdict came out yesterday. It was you can already you can already predetermine which websites, which media entities are going to have what position on what thing, like Vice for, them, for the most part. Yes, Vice. The they were part. just like shitting on Johnny Depp, saying John, you know, Amber, you know, he said that he wouldn't wanted to fucking kill her and fuck her corpse, and he won. Can you believe this fucking asshole won the won yeah. the trial? And then you see the other media outlets, you know, taking the complete opposite position. It's just like there's no logic. Or, or uh, uh, critical thinking involved in any of this stuff. It's just, yep.
1: and, and then, then there's outliers. Then there's unusual. It's just like with the New York Post and other a lot of our other Murdoch uh, or deals were after, actually after Johnny Depp as well. Even though they're right wing, because Johnny Depp to them or to whoever's telling them to do whatever was was representative Hollywood limousine liberals whatever. And so to them, it was it was they thought the strategy would be worthwhile to show, aha, look, you know. It's uh, look at all these, look at these guys who are left wing, even though, you know, Depp is not very, not that political openly, but, you know, right. he's, he's a Hollywood actor, but look, look at them, look at how they act, you know, that was there, so that's why daily, that's why, you know, Depp ended up suing a Murdoch owned, you know, right wing paper of the sun in, in the UK a couple of years ago and then losing, and then, you know, uh, and then, you know, in the last, quarter, the last couple of months, uh, a lot of the Fox stations and so forth, local Fox affiliates have had misleading things, you know, attacking Depp. Now some of them are coming around and realize, you know, then of course, but then you have, so there's a mix here. It gets complicated, but yes, for the most part uh, there are, here's the thing. There's a lot of people who are actual feminists and actual uh, advocates for, for domestic violence who have been on Depp's side uh, in the last few weeks, last few months, since they've seen this stuff come out and they actually care about these things and the truth. And then there's a bunch who don't, there's a bunch who, who, you know, who just, uh, again, perhaps if they had actually seen parts of the trial, they would, they would have a different opinion. Uh, Or perhaps they wouldn't because perhaps because they think that that doesn't really matter if domestic, if Johnny Depp was abused and then lied about uh, what matters is what political implications will that be? How will, you know, how will this be used to discredit women in the future? Like, well, I mean, hopefully it'll be used to discredit women who get caught lying about it. I mean, anyway, so it's this is it's it's a great example of the disingenuousness, the obscurantist ballet where facts don't matter. Uh, all, all that matters is is gaining an edge in, in the, whatever the different kind of culture wars between right and left, or between between this left wing faction, between the between trans and turf, you know, or between you know uh, you know on the right, is different. Fa- that's all that matters to a large number <clears throat> of people, and that is basically this disease our society faces. That that's the chief disease uh, is that everyone's arming up, uh, and every every fact every instance every everything that, that matters uh is only is seen primarily uh for how it can be used in this disingenuous you know uh information war that destroys both sides makes both sides worse ensures that both sides uh elevate people who are willing to engage in that kind of thing and uh casts out or casts down or ignores those who are on the right saying hey maybe trump isn't a good guy or whatever or on the left saying hey maybe like you know a thousand fucking things the left one acknowledge you know mm-hmm. um and it and it yeah and it 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 it's a problem it makes it difficult if like you know for, for those who wants to like discuss these issues uh and wants to refer to the, the facts of them and wants to engage in the kind of civic engagements that we, we have to have if we're gonna have a real society which we're not going to right
0: Going back to uh, what I was mentioning about George Soros a minute ago. I got to let this cat out. This cat. Is, right, yeah. This cat let that Catherine. fucking cat out. Jesus. Free the cat. <laughs> no. Don't go. Back. Get out of
1: here. Get out of here. Don't come back. <laughs> no, no. It's just, it's just, I love cats. But it's just...
0: I never liked cats until I got one uh, about two a uh, year and a half ago. Uh, now I like them. They're good. Um yeah what anyways, what I was talking about George Soros is like he's always been to me like this fant- fantastical figure of conspiracy theories, and he was never um anyone that I considered or even like thought about as being a real fucking person because he I never really did the research I just sort of heard of him from these fringe type people or these fringe conspiracy theory type people until I watched um an Oliver Stone documentary, which is how I learned about The uh, the Hillary Clinton, the DN and the DNC being involved with the Ukraine and how Hillary uh, was a part of this NGO that was funded by George Soros and how they were all connected to uh, the Ukraine and the current president of the Ukraine trying to interfere with the election in 2016. And it's like, wow like this guy actually does fund these NGOs that are connected to the DNC and they really didn't want Trump to be president and they they obviously did want Hillary to be president and should.
1: I mean yeah I mean that's I mean that's I mean that's that's something that that's not even, that's not even a secret I mean the, the, the larger den's not a secret George Soros has been very public for 20 25 years about you know, his vision of the open society, he calls, you know, the open society foundation, you know, which might differ from a lot of our, you know, he's a centrist. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a systemist. Like he, he believes in working with the systems and uh, and whatever. And, uh, and the Clintons of course are what they are. And uh, you know, so, I mean, so it's not, it's, it ought not be surprising. And uh, you know, in terms of things, in terms of things that have occurred that George Soros might be responsible for, that Clinton might be responsible for, that's small beans right there. You know, that kind of, that kind of, you know, that's, uh, it gets much, much worse than that.
0: So you think uh, George Soros doesn't even hold a candlestick to Peter Thiel in terms of uh, sinister and malevolent, sinister uh, intentions and malevolence interfering uh, with government? So I, and- uh,
1: I, I couldn't, uh, well, uh, I couldn't say simply because I have not, although I've been of George Soros for a long time, uh, I've never specialized in him. Right. And so, although occasionally I've been, people I've had people explain to me what their concerns are and Jenna's 21 and all these different things, you know, and I've had to kind of short through a little bit here and there, what is legit and what is not. And, uh, you know, uh, I've never, you know, I've never seen, I've seen him as someone who, you know, probably you know, after the cold war was, uh, Heavily involved in trying to democratize the the countries that had been from the former Soviet countries that he had emerged from, you know, that he had emerged from, uh, and and also, yeah, obviously, I mean, he's he's a, he's a he's a the kind of figure that comes within the the traditions of the the American bipartisan consensus. Uh, he's just a, for me, he's a very typical figure in that regard. Whether it be the CIA, you know heads or, or Nixon or uh, or, you know, Carter or Trilateral, trilateral, trilateral Commission types or you know, the Clintons or George Bush senior. Uh, he's just, you know, uh, it's it, uh, I've always actually kind of been been I've never really understood why he himself has been has been, you know, uh, Obviously, I mean, he funds, he's a major funder of, of the DNC and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's just, he just he just doesn't strike me as that much different from, you know, the Rockefellers or whatever. I just don't, you know, I've just never seen right. uh, the the urgency uh, the exceptions. I mean, he's like the Koch brothers, who I'm also not that interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Koch brothers are pretty straightforward. And again, also because the Koch brothers are well-known, and George Soros is well-known. Uh, whereas Peter Thiel and Powell, and certainly the events he's been involved in, uh, because Peter Thiel's company specialize in information uh, and disinformation. Uh, they have been able to uh, do a better job of ensuring that, number one, a lot of the right, like libertarians, think that he's a libertarian, which he's not. And number two, that a lot of the left have never heard of him. And that number three, the, both the Republicans and Democrats, as they did uh, back in 2011, will protect him. Uh, you know, in, 2016, in 2015, uh, as came out in the Podesta emails, uh, this is something that's never been reported in any outlet uh, that I happen to come across uh, when I got around looking through them when I go to prison. Uh, we learned that, you know, number one, we, we know we know that the Trump campaign uh, approached Palantir to assist with them in the election. And we know that they did uh, because Peter Thiel wanted them to. What, what's not reported is that the Clinton campaign also approached Palantir for help in the election. Both parties know how powerful Palantir is. What Podesta did not realize is that although Alexander Carp, who's the, the president the CEO of Palantir for a while, uh, although he is uh, a centrist Democrat kind of thing or center left or a little bit, whatever, uh, Peter Thiel is not. Peter Thiel calls the shots there. That's why the Democrats didn't get help from Palantir, whereas Republicans got uh, a lot of help from Palantir uh, and Peter Thiel, both in a public sense and in a clandestine uh, uh, illicit sense involving Facebook, Cambridge Analytica. Uh, the data mining scandal, uh, General Flynn, uh, comp- some of the companies like Archimedes Global that we had looked into, uh, you know, um, Stratford, met with General Flynn, you know, it's also one of the reasons why Mueller, uh, you know, and so forth, when they went and investigated the election, and all that, and remember that Mueller commission was not just to investigate the Russian activity, it was to investigate all activity, uh, all this activity interfering with the, with the, uh, 2016 election, and the reason and, uh, in 2017, the Mueller people leaked to the Washington Post and a few other outlets that they were that they were now looking at a couple of firms. One was White Canvas Group, uh, which was part led by General Flynn. Uh, White Canvas Group happened to be one of the firms that we had looked into in 2011, 2012. It was it was involved in the Roma's Coin project that we that I wrote about in the Guardian uh, 2011. And uh, but beyond that, you never heard about White Canvas Group again. In fact, you heard very little in the Mueller Commission uh, or the press about Palantir, about you know our communities global, about these firms, uh, because the Mueller Commission was invested in uh, protecting the fact that they enabled these same people in these same companies, that they defended these companies, including White Canvas Group run, and Aaron Barr, my my, my old arch enemy before Peter Thiel, that they were the ones who protected these groups uh, and went after. Sometimes illegally, those of us who are going after these groups, and so after 2017, after that brief period, you see nothing about about uh, Flynn's involvement. You see nothing about White Canvas Group, Powell, and Strapper, because here we have, uh, you know, Miller was a Republican traditionally, but of course the Democrats were, were rooting for him, thinking because they believed the FBI was really going to get at the bottom of the ele- of the election interference, because the FBI has always been a great defender of democracy. Uh, so it's again, so so. What I'm saying is that, uh, yeah, what we're up against is not a what we're up against is a is a citrus thing where there's there are very few Republicans who won't help to protect this this secret apparatus and their own selves, their own involvement in it, and very few Democrats who won't. And uh, so the good news, I guess, for those who for those who think the Democrats are the, are the bigger threat. Well, there's plenty of those to go after down the line. And the good news for those who think the Republicans, are the bigger threat. Well, there's plenty of those, too. Uh, you know, and then we can sort out the other bullshit later on. Um, but ultimately this system, uh, and those, uh, who have supported its corruption, who have, who have been caught over and over again, uh, and the stuff that we've put out that's come out elsewhere, uh, and the stuff that's going to come out, uh, in, in ways that can be hard to ignore next year. Uh, these things have to be responded to, or we can all just hang it up and go home. You know, we're going to just spend the next five years just bitching on Twitter, saying stuff. And uh, meanwhile, companies that are very sophisticated will continue to do what they want to do, and they'll tell us what they want to tell us, and a lot of people will believe it. And uh, those of us who warned about it 10 years ago keep getting proven right, we will be be scrambling for the spotlight, you know, up against MSNBC or fucking Tim Pool or...
0: (laughs) And, you know, you know... Do you That's think do you think you'd be in as extreme in your way of going about your work if you hadn't have gone if you hadn't gone to prison in the first place? Do you think yes. going to prison for four years changed your outlook at all or changed you at all in any way?
1: Remember, I talked like this uh, the years before I got with the prison. It's, it's, it's part of why I went to prison because I was identified by a number of the adversaries. And sometimes we have, we have leaks in which they're talking about this, whether it be uh, Aaron Barr, uh, some degree Mueller who bragged about his involvement in the strap for operation that the FBI led and that led to me and me and others being prison. Uh, I was identified and there's no way of saying this without bragging as uh, a very severe potential threat given my, uh, High high penchant for risk, uh, given my uh, ability to uh, gain power within organizations like Anonymous, uh, and given uh, yeah, given a number of other elements. uh, So, and again, I, I was I was yes, I was a militant before I went to prison, and I actually relaxed a bit in prison. Well, I got out of prison and I started learning more about who in the press uh, was involved in squatting, uh, strangling in the crib, uh, the results of our research and of our leaks and so forth. And how many of them had risen up to the New York Times, New Yorker, so forth. Uh, and learned more about who would uh, who would stab us in the back within our own groups um, and all that. That's when our really went off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've calmed down since then the less, you know, year or so, because uh, I now uh, things have been set in motion, you know, that that are going to uh, ensure that uh, no one else is going to have to go through this again.
0: What um, was your? Can you describe what your experience? How old were you? First of all, how old were you when you first went to prison?
1: I guess I was thirty. 30- two maybe so 32 12 so 10 years ago. no i was I must have been 30 and you 12. said yeah, i was 30
0: and you said that they sent you to the special housing unit the shoe also known as solitary confinement for like six months yes yeah. for
1: per- all together I was, I was uh i was in there for a couple of two month stints and then like three or four like weeks one, one or two weeks you know for different things uh, including investigations uh an investigation into my involvement in a, uh, what do they term it? Uh, it was a, an incident. there, it wasn't a riot. It was a, it was a disturbance, uh, whereby a number of us, um, uh, refused to, uh, go into direct to ourselves for lockdown, uh, until a certain officer was removed from our unit and not brought back. This officer had threatened an old man and, uh, the different races got together and the gang got together and said, you know, yeah, we're, we don't like this. We're this on guard. So uh, we made a standoff, and uh, me and a few others were identified by them as the ringleaders, and so held for two months in the shoe, and then, you know, released, with, you know, our commissary, things were told. The punishment, of course, was, was being held in the shoe, you know, uh, and then another incident where they had kind of found found morphine in my bloodstream when they, when they gave me a, a random drug test and all that, and I went, you know, to the shoe again, and that, oh, then they transferred me. Uh, another incident where they uh, found, they found morphine in,
0: in your bloodstream?
1: Yeah. Was the prison,
0: dude? Smuggled in.
1: Uh, I mean, well, in this case, uh, this was, I mean, morphine. So there's there's a medical unit. Uh, oh, okay. You the got place it I was them. at was was a low security prison in, in Fort Worth. I was at it was terrible, it was a disgusting little prison. Anyway, and there was there's medical unit. So a lot of the you know a lot of the disease, dying or inmates and all that. Uh, and there's people who work in the medical unit, and there's morphine and other painkillers, and those morphine painkillers make their way out of that area and back to. Uh, those of us who will, who will trade, who will buy them. And, uh, yeah, then they, they take my blood and I had morphine. Uh, and, uh, then another time, uh, this is actually captured is that there's a short documentary on, you can see on YouTube called, uh, relatively free that Alex Winter did. Uh, yeah, actually, I saw that. Yeah. And at the beginning, you know, I'm pulled off the phone for, for talking to him, um, and, uh, put in the shoe for two weeks and, uh, you know, other so, Incidents and oh, yeah, now I was doing, a, doing an interview with a reporter in Houston and again pulled off while they investigated to see if that was against the rules, which of course it wasn't. Blah blah blah. So, yeah, I added six months altogether, but usually not in solitary, it, there's it's too much overcrowding for that. Uh, you, you, you almost always have a cellmate in the, in the, in the shoe. Oh, really? So, just you and guy, uh, yeah, you and some guy living together in a small room uh, about this size for uh, you know, month, two months longer
0: yeah and that was the documentary when uh, where they basically they pick you, your parents picked you up and you're riding parents, in the car yeah, parents and
1: alex winter and the film crew yeah 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 i'm yeah. gonna yeah. was... drive to dallas we had, and we had a few hours to get there uh otherwise i'd be i'd be listed as because they, they estimate how long it should take to get there the first estimate they gave me was that it should take two and a half hours uh that was incorrect it actually takes five hours to drive from them so they were trying to yeah and so it's i had to, I had to go through the whole thing with them before my release and be like no that's not I am mean, we're not set to that if you, if you if you put that down as two hours, I'm gonna go ahead and anyway so they had a lot of six hours, but we still had to had to get there in time. We would arrive at the halfway house in time or I'd, or I'd be listed as an escapee. you know in charge. they don't
0: make it easy for people who get out of prison to get back on their feet
1: uh they make they? It especially hard for certain of us I mean there's some they don't you know again there's a there's a reason I got six months I got six months halfway house, which is much more than most inmates get. And the reason for that is the same reason that one prison kicked me out of the prison, sent me to another prison. Uh, same reason that that prison also tried to kick me out, sent me to another prison. The BP wouldn't allow it. And it's the same reason, you know, because they don't want me there because I'm, I'm riding about the prison and uh, and starting up trouble. So for me, I, I got why that's why I got six months at halfway house because I was, you know, they wanted me out of there were they, they were uh, you know which I understand I'm an investigative journalist an anarchist uh, agitator I'm in the middle of their prison you know some of the guards are talking to me about their superiors that they don't like you know yeah and uh, yeah. so forth so
0: can you explain I found this very interesting part of that I don't know if this was that I think it was a different uh, thing that I saw where you're explaining I believe it was called the pursuant project yep can the you expla- project? Explain that.
1: Yeah, the pursuance Projects uh, was a nonprofit I started when I got out. I uh, used used a couple thousand dollars from my for my book advance uh, to get started, and then did a crowd crowdfunding later on. We were try, trying to build something that I've been that I've been hoping that Project PM itself, before it became what it became, an investigation into into the intelligence community, uh, it was originally set up to do was to create a a, a software apparatus that would allow. Uh, uh, mass self-organization uh, among a certain constituency of people uh, in a way that would allow uh, that would that would maximize efficiency uh, and uh, essentially create a new and superior form of uh, democracy, which, we, which I call process democracy, as opposed to institutional democracy. It's not something I can uh, I can effectively or viably explain like further. Uh, you know. A brief amount of time it's something that uh, but it's something there's there's some speeches I've given on it uh, presentations that are on YouTube people look up pursuance but the nonprofit I established was infiltrated it turns out very quickly uh, which I should have expected by a number of people um, you know and aside from that was uh, attacked public NPR uh, did a profile on me 2018 and on pursuance claiming that pursuance was a was a criminal uh, organization. Uh, that was going to involve uh, let people hire hackers to hack things. And my probation officer came and visited me a couple of days later. And uh, the NPR eventually had to issue a bunch of corrections to that article, about 15 of them, um, including a uh, claim they had made that Stratford, the company that I had been involved, you know, that I had known about the hack of and went down for, that it had somehow been involved in the Bin, Ra- Bin Laden raid and that the hack of it had somehow interfered with that. Stratford had told NPR that because Strapper works with NPR, both publicly and privately, we know that from Strapper's emails we have stolen. So we have their communications with NPR, uh, and they, and some of their. Anyway, so that kind of stuff. It was the same kind of stuff that that, that was that was that was used against Project PM both before and after I went to prison, uh, and endangered, under endangered, but sometimes led to help assisted in prosecutions or you know whatever uh, people I worked with. And so that was my first clue that things were that you know going to be difficult. Also, I had you know, a lot of personal problems. You know, my CPTSD was kicking in. Uh, I was in a relationship with, with, with someone who had borderline personality disorder. Uh, not as bad oh, as no. i ever heard, but, but you know, but, uh, but, we're, but anyway, a lot of shit happened. And, and the DOJ was also uh, uh, prevented me from being paid by my publisher for the first seven months because they claimed they had to figure out how much I owed restitution. Strap for a lot of shit was going down. Uh, then also, I was re- I did uh, articles on the Botham Jean shooting. Uh, by Amber Geiger, a white police officer in Dallas, and a month later he started getting, uh, there's a bomb threat made to the magazine that I wrote for. Again, if people look up up Barrett Brown bomb threat, they can see a little bit about that. I had to investigate this this bomb threat itself because the Dallas Press, uh, including my own editor, uh, at the instructions of the Dallas police, uh, kept it quiet. And then the same person who who made the bomb threat under his own name on Facebook, continued to send, as I mentioned, threats over and over again to to my and girlfriend, uh, and uh, even threatened to assassinate Beto O'Rourke, the, uh, the uh, you know, Senate candidate, governor of the fuck, uh, you know, unlike me, when I, when I said I was shooting FBI agents, who came to my house, uh, this person uh, who uh, the Secret Service would have come after because Beto, Beto O'Rourke was a presidential candidate at that point, uh, never, uh, never got arrested. In fact, the police claimed they arrested him and charged him. They claimed that to my city councilman, Philip Kingston, who forwarded me the email. And then we're caught in other audio recordings, uh, admitting otherwise. And, um, eventually I, I, if anyone, I, I anyway, there's, there's a bunch of recordings I made I eventually caught up with all these police officers and police officials, uh, head, the head of the police department in Dallas and all that, the head of the police association in Dallas and record them. And, and, uh, again, got them to talk to me. They, they, violated the, you, know, they you know, there's a rule that you shouldn't talk, never, 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 never talk to cops. Um, <laughs> And the, there's, a, there's another rule that cops shouldn't talk to like cops, which is kind of what I am. Uh, and they did anyway. And so now, as you'll see in my book, when it comes out, or if you want the manuscript, uh, we've got a lot of them dead to rights on this anyway. So yeah, pursuance didn't do well. Uh, again, I, I was not a very good leader uh, of a image of an actual nonprofit. Uh, we were under a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of pressure from, and, and uh, one of the people, at least one of the people who was brought on without my knowledge uh, was the same person who had written an article about my about me after my arrest, claiming that I was a hacker and that I was a, uh, probably an FBI cooperator. Uh, one of this person was brought on to work a pursuance, which was a, a media reform organization. Later on, we found out more about this person who goes by Raincoaster on Twitter, Lorraine, whatever. Uh, she'd also done a lot of other things at the, uh, for the Daily Dot, uh, other uh, vastly inappropriate uh, and probably illegal uh, stuff in the course of her reporting for the outlet um, and also cooperative. And also was a good friend with uh, some of the FBI cooperators who went up against me and against the now, now dead, Kevin Gallagher. That's one, was one of the people who infiltrated the group. Then there's Susie Dawson, who we don't know what her deal is, but uh, she's someone that the song, even Assange considers crazy as was leaked in some of his messages and who, uh, but Anyway, so just a lot, it just a lot of stuff happened, and again, and, and our the guy we hired to do the to build the software to be the lead developer, uh, he was. I didn't want to fire him at first because I'm just kind of a soft softy, uh, bizarrely enough. But like our, our several my my core uh, uh, nonprofit associates, uh, Annalise Burkhart and uh, Claire Peters, gradually uh, insisted that he be gotten rid of, and a, a lot of our uh, volunteer coders insisted that this guy be got rid of. Scott, His name is uh, Steve Phillips. Uh, and so we got rid of him. We paid him a little bit extra money, you know, and then he uh, went about uh, engaging in some, some behavior, some activity that, that to undermine the group. And it was just, it was, just, it was one thing. There's just tons of things that happened. So, and then an article came out in Der Spiegel, German outlet, which has written seven articles about me, some of which contradict each other. Uh, my favorite one is the one in 2014 that says that Barrett Brown might, have, might not have to go to jail after all. When of course I already been in jail for two years. Is, <laughs> is, it just, again, people are, are incompetent. Uh, in 20, very beginning of very beginning of very beginning of 2020, I think there's people put out an article claiming Barrett Brown used to be something, something. Now he spreads conspiracy theories and harasses women. And, uh, they never pointed out which, which women I harassed, uh, I even, I asked, I asked the writer, the author, I got in to touch her and said, Hey, can you tell me more about my conspiracy theories, what they are and, uh, who I harassed. And, uh, as far as we can tell, they're referring to Claire Lamont, the head of Quillette. Uh, Quillette is a outlet that, uh, funds is funded by Peter Thiel. Uh, and Claire Lamont had publicly uh, claimed that I was, uh, harassing another Peter Thiel associate, uh, when I posted on Twitter, there's an article about this as well. because from, just look up Barrett Brown, Claire LeMond, or Barrett Brown, Quillette, or Barrett Brown, you know, Twitter band, uh, claim that I was harassing a woman at work for Deal deal. What I posted on Twitter saying, does anyone have any information on this person's name? Uh, so again, so like, so, and, and uh, Der Spiegel, and, they, and Der Spiegel changed the sub-headline, the sub headline, didn't issue any correction, didn't, didn't acknowledge they changed it, uh, but never came close to... Uh, issuing an apology or correction, or, or again, even identifying what woman it was that I harassed supposedly. Uh, At that point, I wrote an article for counterpunch, which is an outlet that I, that I'm very close to just saying, Hey, uh, I'm done pursuing, I'm closing pursuance down for now until I can better protect it Uh, between this, you know, I'm not going to have my people and myself go down the same road where, where any, any fucking reporter feels comfortable uh, working with, you know, my, powerful enemies uh, to write libel about me or to claim like NPR did that all of our volunteers and people who people who had signed up 2000 people had signed up for pursuance, that they were hackers or involved in criminal activity. I'm not going to do that. am going to close it down. Uh, and I will read, you know, we'll, we'll get back to this effort to create this, this, this structure, this, this framework for, for mass, you know, for, for uh, civic, collaboration for uh, for crowdsourced journalism all these things uh, when I feel that I'm able to defend it uh, as viciously as possible uh, from those uh, who keep getting away with uh, making it easier for the police to, uh, to come after us and so close it down at that
0: point Wow um, <clears throat> you know it's funny I just I, I recently did a interview with a guy who was involved in a lawsuit with uh hulk hogan about uh, regarding his sex tape and he was talking about how peter thiel
1: uh, oh yeah 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 i know about this
0: yeah so i had him on my podcast like two like three weeks ago or whatever and he he was talking you know talking about how peter thiel funded hogan to take down gawker and basically dissolve gawker do you know why and that's that good
1: the really, the really funny thing about that is that Gawker back in 2011, 2012, uh, that's where Adrian Chin and John Cook uh, and Sam Biddle, who worked for their other thing, Gizmodo, uh, that, was the, that was the place that uh, that was the outlet where originated a lot of the uh, false claims about me that they would later they would later be changed in different forms or picked up by other outlets. Uh, and, and where Adrian Chin at Gawker and others. Uh, made fun of me for my interest in Palantir and Peter Thiel, uh, saying that the pe- emails that you know, we have good to have were, quote, boring, unquote, is Adrian Chin. Mm. Uh, so I found out from prison that Peter Thiel, the person that they had, you know, not worried about, had successfully managed to close down their whole fucking operation.
0: Well, I heard and- that it was because he, he had like a grudge against them because they no No, 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 they, 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 they him.
1: added him. Yeah, no, no. It, 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 right. Again, they, they added him, you know, and blah, blah what i'm saying is that like you know they didn't consider peter shield to be a threat to like you know media free speech right. uh, well in fact i mean some of them did maybe they may have but some of them were almost certainly working with the fbi at this point adrian chin's one of them right uh, I, I say this because he, he comes up in the discovery files me and jeremy hammond and engages in uh what what would be the thing kind of things that would be crimes if we had done them including trying to trying to buy stolen emails uh from uh anonymous hackers uh which is well beyond what i was prosecuted for anyway uh there's there's a lot more to that too the adrian chin thing uh anyone who looks at my twitter at 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 proj p-m-p-r-o-j-p-m they'll notice a few hours ago i just welcomed adrian chin back to twitter he had been away for two years uh and just reminded reminded him of some certain things, uh, and some screenshots I have. Anyway, do you? So uh, the, fun, do you... the funny thing is is that yeah, they, they had they had done because because these attacks on me that started Gawker because they spread around to the New York Times, the Atlantic, uh, all these other outlets. Like it helped not only to discredit me and to make it easier for the FBI to come in and to uh, to be for my case to be ignored and and or seen as uh, initially as less than what it was. Uh, and because they protected Peter Thiel in that way from further scrutiny, uh, they helped to create the conditions whereby a few years later, they'd all be out of jobs because Peter Thiel, you know, was mad at them for this other thing.
0: Right. right. And
1: so I had a good laugh at that about that from prison (laughs) when I heard of it. (laughs) Do you, are you, it would would be sad. Otherwise if, if Gawker were like an actual organization that I, that, was not just fucking garbage. Like It'd right. be, be one of those, I'd be mad at Peter Thiel. In this case, I was like, you know what? Good job, Peter Thiel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you um actively trying to avoid being banned from Twitter? Or are you just are you just not giving a fuck in your daily interactions? Uh, there? no,
1: I, I I am trying not to because I because when the book comes out, you know, I want to be able to best uh, make best positions to to help you know market and so forth make sure it's read make sure the contents are seen make sure it's discussed make sure that the the journalists and and uh, other media professionals who are who make up the chief villains of the book even you know even beyond peter Thiel, make sure that they uh had the least chance of being able to escape scrutiny or hide from this shit as they've been doing for years and so i want to keep that twitter account yes is there, I, yeah. is, there
0: is there any chance when your book comes out you uh would come to the u.s to help promote it
1: uh, if I was, if I came with the, you know, about 30,000 Mombasa mercenaries and we were heavily armed, and fucking, uh, we're storming a beach and fucking had a, yeah, then absolutely. But unless I have that. No.
0: That's hilarious, man. Jesus Christ. What not a, a life you live, man. I know it's not a joke. I know it's, I know you're serious. You're serious as a heart attack. Um, anyways, thank you for doing this. I, uh, it's been an incredible conversation. I've learned a lot um tell people who are watching and listening where they can learn more about you or find what you're doing actively i know you mentioned your twitter but is there anywhere else people can find your work and you know other things that you've published and things of that sort yeah they just
1: look up bear brown on google they'll find a wikipedia page and a that of stuff they'll they'll find some links to call them, you know my prison columns the one that won all the awards everyone liked and all that uh uh at at P R O J P M. That's my Twitter account. And uh you know if you stroll down through that you'll find lots of um uh, you'll 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 get more of a sense of why I'm an active target uh uh of not just governments but um yeah uh, a lot of other things. Uh because but but uh hope I mean, again hopefully you know that Twitter account will be quite active. I mean, I'm going to be posting things, uh, in the next six months. Uh, anyone, who, if you look at the pins tweet there about the book release and what else is going to accompany that, uh, you'll, you'll get a sense that, uh, one of my, um, uh, intent intentions is to engage in a degree of psychological warfare against some people that are in the book by reminding them that they're in the book, the book's coming out, the book will be sent to, uh, people in a position to act on these things. Uh, Dallas is a good example. Anyway, but bottom line is, is that uh, if people want to be, want to have some fun, uh, they'll enjoy watching my Twitter account over the next six months. Uh, and they'll enjoy uh, when the book comes out, even if that, even whether they buy it or not, uh, the, the, the information itself will be, uh, will be mentioned in a number of outlets, you know, you know, online outlets and so forth. And so no one has to pay a dime just to see, to see the shit go down.
0: Are you uh, doing an audio gonna- the
1: book? They want to get the book. They'll enjoy it.
0: Are you going to do an audio version? For people like me yeah, can in, in
1: fact, they were going to have me do the, uh, go do uh, the voiceover is going to be done by me. Uh, oh, cool. they, they were going to, they were going to have me go out to LA to do that back in January, 2020 before COVID started. And then, you know, blah, blah. So uh, I'm assuming I'm still going to be the one reading the audio version. And of course there'll be a Kindle version and all that too.
0: Right. Well, cool, man. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I'm going to be paying attention to your Twitter account as well for the next six months. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting your book when it comes out. Thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on.